Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Vinyl and Vision. Here we are with episode 109. Today's very special guest is Kona Neutron. Uh, I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. Uh, what you're listening to is the lead-off single off of the Adult Prom Split album, Split LP, with Lung and Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. Uh, that's the song Wild Antics. At the end of the episode, I'll include another short clip of uh, the second single off of that album called We Were Wolves. So, I was very excited to have Conan on the show. He is a uh, kind of a mentor of mine, someone that I, I look up to. Uh, I am a fan of his podcast, Protonic Reversal, and I guess I kind of led with that uh, in our conversation. Um, we discuss all the things, and Conan was very, uh, very kind to share much of his time with me and share a lot of his thoughts and ideas, uh, not only on the dams machine gun etiquette, but obviously... Uh, his history, his history growing up, uh, learning music, developing the band, Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, uh, developing his podcast, and uh, even how he became involved with uh, creating or curating, you could say, Catterwall Fest. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot there. I tried to condense it down for everybody, for you listeners. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, all that we ask is that you please do all the things you do with the internet. Like, share, subscribe, comment, rate, review. All of those things, please. They help us very deeply and they cost you nothing. And if you would like to help us in a financial way, you can always visit our website, psychicstatic.net, and just make a purchase on the website. Anything that's on there at all, all of it goes towards funding the show. And we uh, sincerely thank you for it. Um, without further ado, here is the episode. Enjoy. All right. Well, uh, Conan, uh, how how are you doing, man? I'm swell, man. I'm uh, just, just got back from tour, right? Yes. So I'm doing that weird thing where you try to adjust your schedule to, you know, quote unquote everyday life. And, yeah. Uh, there's always kind of a a very fun period of your sleep schedule is not like correct for either lifestyle. <laughs> right. So that's what. That's what I've been up to, and uh, you know, it's good. Not not quite as much of a car crash as usual because I've had, have a couple days uh, in between doing day job stuff and getting back, so that's good. Yeah, because oh, that's, that's good. The, yeah. the worst is like, all right, tour's over, and eight a.m. back at it. Great. Oh, that sounds lovely. That's not demoralizing at all. Or <laughs> I know, right. Everyone's like, um, How was your vacation? Oh, my vacation was lovely. Thank you. Yeah, let's it was change the subject. <laughs> yeah, like let's change the subject to literally anything else. <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody can really relate to that. I mean, I, I assume that you kind of like associate or kind of like, um, you know, have your circles run around musician types, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. That's a fair. So, so everyone kind of relates to the tour thing. But if you're not in that scenario, if you're not a, around musicians, then nobody understands what the fuck tour is. Nope. Not at all. They they, they either are poisoned by that movie Almost Famous or, uh, you know, they they have some other radical misconception of what it is. So for me, in non 
creative parts of life, like obviously podcast people, you know, they get it. But uh, I, I, I can only sum it up by saying that I heavily identified with the USA Nails, Nails song, uh, How Was Your Weekend? Where it's just like, yeah, it was all right. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. You just say as little as possible because there is no frame of reference. There's nothing you can say to someone that's not embedded in an understanding of that world that's going to get across literally anything of use or note and it's only going to be a distraction so that's just a different part of my life entirely yeah uh so but yeah obviously any i think any musician understands i, I call it post-tourum depression mm-hmm. yeah sure where you get the you're like oh we're you know especially when it's a great tour and you're like yes awesome everything's going great doing these this thing I love. There's this great artistic exchange. You're having all these wonderful experiences and memories. And, and you're like, and that's over. Now you're doing this other thing. It's like, ah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a certain amount of just heaviness that can be in the air usually. <laughs> I'm doing okay right now, though. Like I said, reality. maybe there was a couple days in between. Yeah, reality. The heaviness reality is reality. sets right? in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing okay right now. And I think the secret is that there were kind of a couple days in between to sort of uh, get readjusted, which is great. If you can do that, that sounds awesome. But that's not a thing I'm used to doing either. It's usually just, you know, headlong into the brick wall of <laughs> yeah, everyday <man>. life. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. So listen, I, I, can I just ask you, first of all, like, uh, like, how often do you do this aside from like, you have your own podcast where you do a mm -hmm. weekly program. So I mean, like, how often do you actually speak to somebody about yourself? Well, uh, when there's a new release, a lot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, the, the press schedule. Yeah, but I mean, like, you could see you don't do this fairly often. You, this isn't a regular thing for you. Uh... About my art, not as much as I'd like it to be. Uh, I There's a lot to discuss with Kona Nature and the Secret Friends. And um, so not as much as I probably would like, but I don't know, probably as much as there's demand for. And, and I don't right. mind speaking on other subjects and talking about that as well. In fact, it can be super interesting. What I don't like so much is that as some, as someone of, I, I guess a, uh, the word was used as polymath. Like I do a bunch of things. I don't like it. Here's Conan. He does a bunch of things. I hate that. That pisses yeah. me off. I'm like, I'm like that denigrates literally everything I do. <laughs> And yeah, I get you. I and you know the show Cortana Reversal is like ten years in in April. What are we at? Three fifty, three fifty six episodes, something like that. It's a big part of people's lives, and uh, and obviously I like doing it. I continue to do it weekly. <laughs> yeah, like I must like doing it, right? Right. Uh, and a lot of people find value in it, and uh, that's not something I take lightly. But then there's people that listen to Protonic. No idea playing a band. And right. I think that's because I issue the 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 model of like, here's the upfront. Here's all my tour dates of, of you know, playing here. Cause the way people listen to shows, podcasts specifically, it, it's asynchronous. So you can do an episode and somebody maybe someone's listening to that three years from now. That's happened a lot, especially oh, during yeah. COVID when the audience like jumped up like a thousand fold for Protonic. People were going back to episodes from like years ago and then responding to me as if it was in real time. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That was years ago. <laughs> that was literally years ago. And I have no idea what you're talking about. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I've always eschewed kind of pushing the band because I, I figure if people are there for the show, then they're show. They shouldn't necessarily have other things pushed at them. But I'm starting to rethink that approach too because I like people, like, hey, yeah. you got to let me know if you play Seattle. It's like, bro, we were literally there two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like what I've it been... is now, right? That's what it is. It's like nobody knows, nobody sees anything. And right. if they do, it's like, I think there's maybe a thing. And that's like the level that you get. And everything else is just this endless, just a full on fire hose of content. Right. So I, I think I've been remiss in, in using Protonic to mention Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends. Well, uh, yeah, because it's like you don't want to be talking about yourself either so much on no. this thing, on this program where you're supposed to be kind of like promoting yourself, you know, I mean, like or promoting somebody else. I mean, like your show, you're promoting whoever it is that you're speaking with. And you, you right. have a great guests that that come on that, you know, range Thanks. from so many different, like wonderfully talented, like musicians that, you know, I kind of aspire to speak with myself at some point because um, they're they're just like amazing people. And then I guess that's all from from your own kind of interest like that. Like, I don't know, like how it is that you go about uh, finding your guests, uh, like who you decide to ask or or it just gets presented to you and you just like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll talk to them. Yeah, I mean, so interesting question. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's who I want to talk to, right? So the, so the reason why the show works is because it's a discussion and there's a back and forth and I have a, a frame of reference that maybe some people don't have and the fact that I am actively touring and making records and never have stopped. But it started, it started off with me just hitting people up. I get people to pitch themselves all the time now. Uh, PR people will pitch things as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm never shy about that. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. That would, that'd be awesome. Or, I don't know if that would work or I just, this is the most common. I'm like, I don't really know who that is. Let me, <laughs> let me look into it. And then sometimes it's like, Oh wow, this person's great. Awesome. Yeah. This will be interesting. And sometimes it's like, yeah, it's cool. But I think the, the reason why Protonic works and is as good of a show as it is, is because I have this deep familiarity with the subject matter. Uh, meaning right. who, whoever I'm speaking to, like I, I have this deep love that like, if you listen to, um, like Phil Calvert of the of the birthday party, you know it's one of my yeah. favorite bands of all time. So like sure. I'm an uber nerd about it, and and I frequently hear people, and I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back here, say like, oh that was the best interview I've ever done, and I was like, oh cool, awesome, thank you, you know, because like I'm just asking the specific kind of nerdy ass questions that <laughs> I would want to hear if I was listening to a show. I'm I'm making the show I want to hear. Right. Right. I mean, that's I, I, kind of what this whole, whole medium is. It's it's people that have, have decided to kind of follow their ambition to do whatever it is that they want to do, their own kind of like niche on whatever subject. Right, right, absolutely. So uh, when I'm, and also another thing to note too, and something that also differentiates from other shows is isn't just like the the big blockbuster indie rock famous, whatever you want to call it, uh, folks. You know, oh, yeah. I I have it try to balance it between folks people do know and folks that people should know and, and then treat them with equanimity and, and treat the art with the respect that it deserves. Right. And well, well, that's hopefully where you the have depth the leg up because you're also in an active touring band. So you get to meet yeah. a lot of these bands that you don't end up you develop friendships with and you're and if they seem to you like people that are lacking in some sort of sort of stature, then you can help them out. Right. Absolutely. And sometimes that that, that like it, it works out greatly. 
you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm the cause of it, but but Donna from uh, Juna, like her old band, used to play with us in Chicago, and I always thought she was just like a complete powerhouse mm-hmm. because she is. <laughs> yeah, and you you know, like, and and now people are catching on to that as as they should because uh, Juna's amazing and Donna's like an incredible human being, incredible artist. But you know, I had her on before it was you know, like it really was like who what what how do you spell that how do you say that i mean right people DJ, are probably still dj that, una frankly. what is that uh but like yeah, yeah DJ, DJ. <laughs> oh my god yeah that's <laughs> well and i've got a sentence long band name right right and that yeah. by the way not a not a recipe for success and then people oh do i have to type it all out yes yes you do well, um, I mean, but half of it is your name, so that's great. That's easy enough. Yeah, and if I had to, so if I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't. Even though I, I think the name, the name is very good. I probably would not have it be a sentence long band name. But I was thinking about, you know, James Brown and the Famous Flames, and the, you oh, know, yeah. the, of course. the 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 someone and the somethings. Like, I always like that thing, like that whatever that is. That I format was, of like the the person, the main character of the, yeah. the group and then the band's name right and it's yeah. also worth noting that like it it was not an ego trip it was just at the time i'd been sort of controversialized uh and made into the story so i'm like well let me lean into this you know you like, were not, yeah i was and 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 it's because i've always been more of a the band name is a container for the art contained within mm-hmm. and but then by the same token well, I was writing these songs, right? But it's not, but Tony and Dale adds so much to it until she produced it, adds, adds so much to it that like it is a band too. So both of these things can be true in the same way. Like it's not a, like I kind of bristle when people say project. Like project to me is like, I don't know, Alan Parsons or something. Like it's not anything. It's like, well, that's in the title. I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> Which is peace and love in my heart. I'm just saying that like, uh, you know, it's not, I don't think of it as like a, a like that way. And other people have like, you know, Mike Watt obviously is the classic example of well, he calls them projes, right? Proj, man, Proj. yeah. When, when he when he can, you know, when you when you address it with him. And and everyone's got their own delineating line for it, but it is very much a band, but it's always different, always the same. I mean, live, it's always different, right? But it's right. always the same, the fact that it's the same songs. But recorded wise, like it is what it is because of Tony's contribution. And Dale's contribution and Toshi right. uh, producing and engineering. And he's he adds a lot to the band as well. Not the least of which is being a very patient sounding born for all my nonsense, <laughs> which has become, become more Baroque and ornate and right. labyrinthian as time has gone on. And he's he's a oh. very good filter uh, for me in that. So, which is a long way of saying that Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends, as the band name, as much as, as it, if people act like it causes them physical pain to put it on a flyer, I'm like, that is the official name of the band. What is the problem here? Like, right. you know, like, so wild. Do you run out of letters in the marquee? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know, possible. like, you're typing stuff. Well, yeah, for sure, for that. But if you're typing stuff into the computer, it's probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So, I mean, like to, to, to speak to what you were saying a little earlier about like, you know, the, the, uh, the perception that maybe your you and your band receive as a project. I mean, yeah. like, do you think that's 
kind of because of the revolving live cast like you kind of it kind of seems like it's never the same mm. thing and therefore if if there's no committed members i mean on 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 tape it seems that like when you record it seems it's the three of you yeah but for everyone else's kind of perception that they see because they see you at the shows or they see what's being promoted in, in press you know in the photos <clears throat> and so forth even even through your social medias you know i mean they see different people yeah and so then that's that's like that's not a band that's just that that's just a revolving thing that revolves around conan right so there's so it kind of depends on the world that they're coming from i, I think it, interestingly people that are not from bands are more likely to intrinsically get it right but in punk rock or noise rock or whatever appendation rock uh there there is that that we operate in people are so used to being like well these are the people that are in this band and it's these people that are on the stage and these people that are on the show so on so even now there's like a real kind of orthodoxy with it and it's not just i'm not pulling a chuck berry i'm not showing up to a town and be like all right you guys ready all right it's in C. Follow me for the changes. It's not like that either. Mm-hmm. Like everybody that's in the live act is someone that that, that I picked to be because I, I usually because I love what they do. I usually love their other bands. The, their personality is a fit. That's actually a big big thing as well. And I, it's not that they can just play. There's plenty of people that can play, but mm-hmm. there's, it takes a certain type of personality type to play in this band. Now consistently. It's always been Tony on bass live and 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 always me. And it's usually been about a four-piece band. We've had it power trios. At one point, I think I had like a seven, eight, nine piece. I lost track at a certain point. I had a couple like big band formations that were just like, oh, I'm gonna grow the band to the size of this incredible crazy venue that we're playing. And that's a lot of fun too, because you get to like dig songs out that are like, oh yeah, we can't do that as a four-piece band. There's not like it doesn't work the way I want it to. Uh, but <laughs> there's just certain mindset, especially amongst noise rock people, that it demeans it as some kind of ego trip or something if, mm-hmm. if it isn't just the same three people in a row. All right. And I, I hate that because, I, like, why are we holding on to these ideas of what of what it is? Well, I think it's because because that's absurd to me. Right. Well, I mean, like, it's kind of so, you know, you're going to we're going to be talking about the damn tonight and (laughs) stay tuned, everybody. We'll eventually talk about that record. We're eventually going to get to the damn (laughs) machine Connecticut uh, of all albums of of theirs, which is, uh, you know, heralded as one of their absolute best. Um, But so speaking to that and maybe kind of comparing the the scenario, I mean, like, you know, the damned at this point. Uh, coming into their third album, Machine Connecticut, uh, did go through a band change. I mean, and yep. and and that's pretty much what everyone talks about when they talk about this album is how, you know, they lost uh, Brian Brian James uh, as yep. the lead guitarist and and songwriter, and uh, and Captain Sensible moves over from bass to guitar. And so, I mean, it was really a big change, like a, like band lineup wise. I mean, the three three still original members, but I mean, writing wise and like. The process was completely different. Yes, and, and and people looked at it like a betrayal. Some people looked at it like as I was like, "What? How could you do that?" You know exactly exactly why though. I mean, like I feel like maybe your band has that perception. It's just like it's not a betrayal, but it's just like, well, we don't know what to expect because we don't know who we're getting, except for you, Kona. Yeah, but also it's my songs. 
Right, right. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I write the songs. So if you like the songs, you will, you will hear this. And I think for a lot of folks, there's there may be some of those reservations, but then when there's the understanding that, well, whoever it is that, that we're going to be seeing in the live, which isn't like a state secret or anything, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's going to be someone awesome. It's going to be someone great. And maybe they favor certain players over other players. Okay. Well, that's fine. But I mean, the way I'm able to do this flying circus is that like, it's not even Tony's main thing. Like he plays in it a lot, but it's like, it's my main thing. Like it's it's yeah. and then everyone else are very giving of their time for it and they come in these wild adventures with me and are valued members of the baseball team. Mm-hmm. But but they can be on the bench and they're no less part of a team, you know, there's you're still part of the team. And they could be like in the starting lineup and they could and be part of the team, but it's you know, it's it's they don't have the same buy-in as the coach. I don't want to use all these baseball references, by the way, but anyway. <laughs> I'm not uh, a huge baseball fan, but I totally get it. Don't no, worry. I'm not either. That's what's so crazy. Like, I mean, like, I, but it's, 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 there's no lexicon for it creatively that, that, that I know of. So it's hard to describe. Uh, no, I hear you. I mean, I thought you were talking about basketball, but I mean, that's, <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> so I'm mixing all my sports metaphors because I'm just terrible at all of that. Yeah. I, and it's, I, I'm not saying that like, you know, people that do get something out of it, you know, I'm not trying to denigrate that. It's just not my thing. It's it, right. and, and look, you know what else is in people's things being in a active touring rock and roll band in your, your mid forties. So I get, you know, it's fine. Like I'm not one to, Mm-hmm. To, to cast aspersions to people's interests. Like, you know, what are you into? Shoes? Great. I don't know anything about that, but I'm glad you get something out of it. I'm sure but I think a podcast about it and listen to I'm, it. Probably. <laughs> and it's probably fascinating. Uh, but I think that there, there's, uh, so going back to, oh, it's not the same band. As, so people have been like, oh, when did so-and-so like leave the band? It's like, well, they didn't leave the band. They're just not on this tour. They're just not available. Like, right yeah, there's just, they're doing stuff with their band or they're whatever, you know, right. doing something else. They, it's, and it's a way the idea so the idea is it's a way to run a live band where you are able to keep it interesting and cool. Nobody ever like has that sort of like burnout of I don't want to do this anymore because right. you don't have to do it all the time. And right. it's allows for different flavors of it where it's like, yeah, it's it's obviously gonna be a little bit different depending on who's playing in it, but uh Ultimately, it is always different, always the same. And and I never envisioned it for myself, but I basically knew that I couldn't do just a traditional same four people in a room band again. And you have to understand, I'm not someone that's been in a ton of bands either. I've usually been in a few. I've only been in a few bands and they're all pretty long lived. Mm-hmm. But my heart was too broken last time of, 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 of like, I kind of figure out a different way to do this. You're, you're a long term monogamy guy. I'm <laughs> a long-term monogamist. You're right. Yeah, jeez, dude, I've been married like ten years in January, so I guess that's true. Uh, I, and it's, I get it. And and did you see? Have you seen the the damn documentary? I forget what it's called. I think it's like oh, uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that. No, actually, I couldn't. I was looking for it. I couldn't get it. Um, it's, it's not really hard right to now. find. Yeah, it's it not was free. Like, I didn't feel like buying it. I can't buy everything for this show. I'd be, I'd be fucking broke. Yeah, yeah. It was on. It was streaming on. I don't know one of the freaking things. Oh, I guess it's on Tubi now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
it, so I watched it and it was cool and, and I enjoyed it and, and it was you know good it wasn't like you know amazing it was, it was good but I was still was blown away by like that like it even took the tack in the documentary of like oh well you know the damn 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 lineup is really the that's the definitive like there's like people that like it gets into that where it's like yeah those records were like so long ago like, like how are you still invested in this like but then I guess that's how music fandom works yeah, right yeah. some people get 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 stuck in a, in a in an era you know i mean like yeah and, and that's a, another thing about you know bands and their lineups too is that like a lot of the times if if a band goes through a number of significant uh changes in their lineup then then some people some fans get stuck onto the era in which those members are part of it yep. i mean think about van halen i mean there, there's the diamond oh, dave God. fans and there's the fucking <laughs> hagar fans right i mean i'm more of a gary sharon guy see look at that no, that's no, even... I, that's not true. I need to make it explicitly clear that I'm joking. Like, peace. I mean, online. that's only like what? Like the he was in the band for months, wasn't he? Yeah, that's a joke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I liked them for those couple of months that he was in there. It was great. Yeah, I, I, I'm. A, yeah, that's the contrarian argument, right? Oh, right. Really, own, dude. Uh, yo, no, but that's that's a perfect. That's a great example, and I, I guess the <laughs> you know the machine gun etiquette lineup versus uh, the um damn 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 lineup is is that for punk rockers i don't know i mean like it seems it seems it just seems like such a a, a interesting uh distinction to draw because i i I don't know if if, if you take like more of a bird's eye view of it it's like is it really that different Yeah, yeah. it's funny funny that you just have that perspective and i think that you have that perspective based on what we're talking about based on your own experience being in your band yeah. But um, so but before we get in, into the damned and all that stuff, I mean, I do want to actually discuss you, as you said earlier, it's just sure. like you seem like this private person like that. You don't ever really get to speak about yourself. Where did you where were you born and raised? Oh, God. So I was born I was born in a town called Modesto, California, uh, which is never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, it's in the Central Valley. It has more in common common culturally with like Nebraska or Iowa than Los Angeles or San Francisco. Hmm. Uh, the band okay. Granddaddy is from there. Okay. Uh, so if you're familiar with that band, uh, but it's not a hotbed of creativity and counterculture necessarily. Uh, Lacey right. and Scott Peterson, if you remember that high profile murder that was from there. Um, yeah. Gary Condit, the murdering congressman, he was later exonerated. He's so from a lot there. of death got him a desktop. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's just it, it's a very it's a farming town, you know. It's it's not like a village or nothing, but it's not a major metropolitan sure. uh, metropolitan well, area. How far is it from like Los Angeles or something like that? Let's well, say. so it's about an hour. So LA is pretty far, but it's San Francisco. What is uh, like hour forty five minutes away? But it's a world right. apart if you don't, especially if you don't have a car. Like it's it's like another universe, right? Okay, sure. Uh, so that's where I grew up, and and this was before the internet made everything available. So when I was kind of finding my way into music, like just the idea of like, okay, you know, the record store is going to, they have a copy of like, you know, the mud honey record. Oh yeah, that's cool. Let's, let's get it. You know, like, uh, cause you couldn't just, you know, fire up your phone. There it is. Okay. I got everything. Oh, who are the cosmic psychos? Oh, who are, you know, like whatever, like go down the rap, like going down the rabbit hole was like something that happened over the course of months as you, as you like bought, cds with your minimum wage job money <laughs> right right and then you follow the trail like being like who's on this oh and what, what who do they think oh they think this band oh who's that 
the thank yous. I talk about the thank yous all the time because that was a huge, huge thing for me to to find these other bands. And then I worked at a record store when I moved to Oakland. And that, I mean, again, it's, it's adorable to talk about, but just the availability of music to listen to mm-hmm. like was a like a game changer because that's how, like when I started getting to the Stooges, like Miles Davis. At the record store. Hank Williams Sr. Yeah, yeah, because like, what I mean, and what I found is even the, these genres that I basically disdained was like, oh no, there's still stuff in almost all of these that I like, and that they're, they're, I can find something like really cool here. Okay. And yeah. that's what led to my just absolute abject music nerdery, uh, just just born of complete enthusiastic amateurism. Uh, <laughs> whereas by the same token, in Modesto, like we all, me and my friend Clay, our, our old friend group, we just didn't feel it like we didn't feel like we belonged where we were at. And so we used music and movies to a lesser extent and comic books and things like that to like make a little counterculture for ourselves. And it largely consisted musically of, you know, we would have, we would make up like album titles and logos and, and, and things like that. We we never would get around to actually playing music usually, but uh, yeah. the most, no, but the, the most notable thing, and I'm kind of jumping around here is that uh, Clay just showed up at my door one day holding a bass. And he's like, I bought this bass. You need to go buy a guitar so we can be a band. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I went and did it. And it's, and it didn't ultimately, with Clay and I, it didn't really work out. We didn't mean that we didn't really do anything, but that set me on the path. I stayed on the path he didn't. And right, if you, right. the first Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends record, it's a stylization by David Yao, uh, one of the paintings that he was doing for a long time. But it's a promo photos that we took in high school because we were busy. We could barely write a song, but we were taking promo photos because, like, well, we have to be ready in case Rolling Stone. Calls or something, you know, spin. Yeah. How weird. Wait, so tell me, when was this that he brought the bass to your door? What, uh, so, we, oh, God, I was like, uh, ooh, like probably 15, 16. And then, um, okay. and so you hadn't played anything up, nope. like up until that point. Nope. And no musical ambition or what? Uh, I just didn't thought didn't really occur to me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, think I, was, I was busy reading Stephen King books and comic books, I guess. I don't know. Like, sure. I didn't have a dream of being, I mean, I, I was, I basically, I grew up around music, but it was like classic rock. Like my parents were really into like Sabbath and Zeppelin and Neil Young and cool parents. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, they also did a lot of drugs. So it's, cool parents, <laughs> man. Uh, I also moved 22 times that time I was 17. So there's a yeah. trade off. Uh, okay. That's pretty weird. unstable yeah. environment in, in that goes, but I grew up with great records, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my parents Wait, so, saw the Ramones in Winterland. You know, nice. Well, so your so your parents were rockers. Were they like musicians? Were they band people, or were, what? What was the story? Well, they were ultimately kind just sort of like hippie types, right? But mm-hmm. you know, where, where hippie stuff like includes like you know Deep Purple and stuff like that, things they and things along those lines, and yeah, the. They taught me the the power and the excitement of music at a very early age. So for me, when and I always loved that. But then when I heard it was hearing Nirvana for the first time that I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. this is for me, though. 
this is like what's happening now. Right. And so, and then Nirvana uh, beget like Mud Honey, Melvin's, ironically, uh, Sonic Youth, um, Jesus Lizard, Fugazi, uh, that, 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 yeah, down the line. But that was the first music that I had heard where I was like, oh, this is like now. This isn't like, and it's and it's funny because like I still I listen to all the classic rock stuff st- still too, but it was that that kind of made me like like I want to do this, and specifically actually was hearing Unwound. Hmm. Uh, okay, another deep irony since I ended up uh, befriending and you know even like uh, playing in a band short lived band with Vern, but mm-hmm. the but I was taught that enthusiasm early age. In a almost structureless home life, uh, I mean, they did the best they could, but like I said, we moved around a lot, and it was not because anyone was in the military. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And so that led me to kind of become good at creating my own systems and creating my own structures and ultimately kind of creating order from chaos, if you will, which has served me well. Uh, you, you know, just literally like being in, being in a band, but you know, running the podcast, you know, um, Catterwall, like all all the things that I do, like these, right. just, it's how I grew up, like it's so it's how it's how I am, and the idea of like, like the idea of doing drugs, like oh, I'm gonna rebel and smoke pot, man, I had plumes of pot smoke around like the living room every day. That was not a rebellious act in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, so, it, which isn't to say that I'm straight edge or anything, but it's just that, like, yeah, that was not just, forbidden it, fruit, <laughs> right? So you you never went down that path. You never it never kind of occurred to you that that uh, it could be a a a um a fuck you to your parents to to get involved with drugs at all. No, in fact, it would it, if anything it was the it was, opposite. It was an F you to not <laughs> do that, right? And, and it's just funny to me because I know, you know, I think like a, a small town thing, right? Is that by the time someone's like 19, they're already gone to rehab, uh, which is I shouldn't laugh at. But I mean, it wasn't my path. Let's put let's put it that way. Well, good. That's great. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, and you're, you're right. Obviously, it worked out for you. And uh, so you mentioned it uh, when you were kind of g- giving off your list of things that you're you're involved in. But Catterwall Fest, just quickly. Yeah. Uh, what is your involvement with Catterwall? Uh, first of all, I like just saying Catterwall, even though it's Catterwall Fest on all the, the social media handles. But like. I think that sounds cooler personally. Uh, mm. I'm it's me and uh Reiner from Learning Curve are the founders. So and it was a two-man operation. We added Melanie on um after the first year because she was it's a huge help and we needed it. But we don't like putting our names forward as like who it is because it's not about us. Right. But it's right. about the community, it's about the bands, right? It's about the experience, it's about everybody coming together to celebrate all these freaks, nerds and weirdos playing music at with and to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it isn't about Kona Neutron or, uh, or Reiner Franz or, or you know, like, or Melanie. It's, it's not about those people, but I understand when people are curious about it because just like with the band, I'm making the music that I would want to hear and with the podcast, I'm making this sort of podcast. I want to hear like with Catterwall, we're throwing the kind of festival that we want to, with bands that you want to hear. Yeah, with bands you want to see and play with. And, and like, we have a specific ethos and mindset with it. And, you know, some people get the, seem to get something out of it. And we're having a good time doing it. And it's a lot of work. 
<laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, what, when do you hold this festival? It's in, it's in Minneapolis at the end of May on, uh, I think it's Memorial Day weekend, right? I always get those two confused. Okay. Memorial yeah. Day is May and Labor Day is September. Is that right? Yes. I, I don't I have no idea. I don't. I, I just consulted with my top researcher and yes, that is, that is correct. There you go. All right. I've never once in my life been able to get that straight the, the first time though. I was just... I have no change. idea. I don't even know why they wear white before, after Memorial. I don't, I don't know. If, I, have, I have no fucking idea what's happening with this country. I pay no attention. Fair um, enough. Yeah, that's what I'm like. What? Why aren't you supposed to? And then I was like, Well, I don't wear white anyway, so who cares? But whatever. Like, but it doesn't matter. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. What? Are... I am not. Why are you I worried about other people are wearing? Yeah. I am not patriotic. I guess in that sense, I don't know. Sorry. Sorry well, it's it's something to do with patriotism, but it's just a it's like a long weekend. So then, I don't know. We just claim that one, and then that's and Good. that's we we started up in 2020. We didn't get to do it because something happened. I don't know if you heard about this, but something kind of occurred in 2020. Oh, really? I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, you heard about this? Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then we so we picked it back up uh, and picked up the pieces and did it in 2022, and then again uh, this year in 2023, and then we have. 2024 coming up, but I think it's probably a fair thing to say, at least from my side of it, that growing up the way I grew up in a less than structured environment mm -hmm. uh, has led to a personality type that is very good for these kinds of things. And then, yeah, yeah we like think we're doing something pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think it is. I mean, I, I've only just heard about it like two years ago, I think, like uh and um yeah it sounds great i mean just kind of like uh like this weekend is no coast fest in texas and so that sure. seems like a like a similar kind of thing um like yeah, cousins uh, <laughs> cousins, noise rock cousins or something yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well and it's good. funny you say noise rock too because like i don't think it's a noise rock fest because it's whatever you like and it doesn't have to be noise rock. sure yeah and it, but it's it's like i don't feel like I, and i'm not necessarily i'm, I'm not saying that i don't agree that there are noise rock bands that play it, but I also feel that that, that anytime you put genre names on something, it's limiting. Mm -hmm. And I think getting hung up on that uh, puts it in a niche. It puts it in its own record bin holder, you know, back in the record store I used to work at. Okay, well, that's noise rock that goes here. And right. I just naturally bristle at that. Also, I mean, not the least of which, I mean, what kind of music does Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends play? I don't know. Rock music, weird yeah. rock music. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> like it's informed from like punk rock and post punk and noise rock and like all these other things. But what does it sound like? I don't know. It depends on the song, frankly. Like it's 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 big weird rock music and right. You know where's the genre for that that isn't like whatever Josh Homme's up to. I don't know. There isn't a big genre for that. You know. It's yeah. Like, so people have no frame of reference for it. So that's great. I mean, you know, because that's really. Is it? It's, okay. It's, okay. No, I mean, like, maybe, maybe you, maybe you're not seeing the returns on that, but I mean, it's true because uh, I, I know that I can appreciate that, and I, and I yeah. would hope that other people can appreciate it too, as music fans, to be like, oh, well, this band kind of just like covers a lot of weird stuff, and they just kind of like do whatever they feel like doing. Right. Um. You know, I mean, I kind of write in the same way. It's just like I don't have like one specific thing that I kind of want to achieve when I'm writing something. It's kind of like whatever happens, you know. And so I do a lot of like weird noise, loud, like loud mm -hmm. noise rock stuff at the same time. But I can also do like a folk thing, like really easily. Right. And I so. think some of the cool stuff has that sort of mindset where it's less 
genre exercise and more like where you can be like, oh, that sounds like that. Like, what does tropical fuckstorm sound like? I don't know. It's like, oh, yeah, that's like a weird one. Nothing else, but like also exactly like them, you know, and, and that's only uh, them. Yeah. yeah. And no one could possibly sound like them, even if they tried. Uh, and I mean, I'm a big Tom Waits fan. You yep. know, like you can always immediately identify a Tom Waits song, even if it's like, you know, the loungy stuff or the, you know. Yeah. And I say that as a fan, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the Fall, Sparks. I mean, a lot a lot of my favorite bands are easily identifiable as, identifiable as themselves. But right. uh, maybe they have one thing that's like a musical identifier. But uh, I mean, look, look at Melvin's, right? Everyone sure. thinks of like the slow, sludgy stuff. It's like, well, that's one thing out of like 40 that they do, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there are whole bands that like their genre is, you know, oh, you you listen to gluey porch treatments. Okay, cool. Good for you. You know, mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, but well, as a band, they do they do a lot of different things. So they they sort of like transcend the genre. And then and right, I, right. not that not that that's like the, the stated goal to transcend genres or anything. It's just it's going to come out. For Secret Friends, it's going to come out through the meat grinder of my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come out the way that it comes out. So there's going to be things where it's like, oh, that sounds kind of like Cheap Trick. That sounds like Devo. That sounds like, you know, Mean Streets era Van Halen. That sounds like the Jesus Lizard. That sounds like, you know, whatever. It, it's it's going to come out the way it comes out. And hopefully it comes out as sounding like the band. Right, right. So now speaking of influences, you know, you were just kind of listing off some of the things that the obviously have really in, uh, influenced you in a way, uh, some yeah. of which you have given me a choice of. <laughs> right, this, right. Was, <laughs> this was very interesting for, for you to give me a choice of an album to talk about. Then they were different. They were different choices. Very right? different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I was like, I would equally like opine at length about literally any of these. Right, so. and, and and it makes sense because, you know, I, I understand choosing a record is a hard thing to do, like one out of all of the, the you know, thousands that you may may like and that have, uh, you know, had some effect over you. But uh, so we we narrowed it down to the damned machine guns etiquette. Machine gun yeah. etiquette, I'm sorry. So, Which I think is 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 uh, like just far and away one of one of the best records of, of that era. Like just absolutely all the chips, like one of the most underrated records of, of that era. Like sure. it, it's, I mean, and, and what I love about it too is that it has that punk rock sensibility, but it's got like, you know, there, there's, it's got like that Motorhead sort of like Judas Priest intensity, but then also like there's these huge b- hooks. I mean, smash it up. I mean, I know we're gonna get into it, but like, piano, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like piano and stuff with it, but it's all done to this incredibly like propulsive brattiness uh, that just from from the mindset of me and what I love as a musician, like I just absolutely like love that kind of stuff where it's like, Oh no, we're going to do, we're going to take every crayon in this box and we're going to make, we're going to make one hell of a collage here. Yeah. Okay. Well, so tell me about your experience with the, the dams machine Connecticut. When was the first time you heard it? Yeah, this would have been, this would have been when I was working at the record store and there was a, Ah, was it a C? I must have been a C. It must have been a CD or something. There was a CD, and it actually had the. Um, it was a reissue, and it had like the bonus tracks, which had a. Ballroom well, Blitz. it had a cover of uh, the the sweet song, uh, Barroom Blitz. Yeah. Um, and suicide and rabid, 
I believe is that the pronunciation is over there. Rabbit over you <laughs> instead of rabbit over you. And and a freaking and white rabbit of all songs too. Oh, uh, right. Uh, which is which arguably not quite necessary. But then I, I was like, oh, well, what's this band? So I heard Machine Night Kid before I heard Nam Dam Dam. And then like um, a girl made me a comp tape that had uh, neat, neat, neat on it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right on. And I was like, oh, th- that's that the damned band that has uh, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me listen to this. And like, basically from like the first few seconds of like love song, I was like, okay, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it had this like theatricalness to it. The, this like, like, like pomp, right. <laughs> if you will, to it. And just the brattiness of, you know, starting off with the, with, with like the, 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 the sample, I guess that dude is like, a, um, the ladies and gentlemen, How do, like the, the, yeah, yeah, like he, he's like having like that as the intro, and then like you know, the big like you know rock and roll arena rock, uh, <laughs> kind of like squalling, and it's like oh cool, awesome, this is not anything that I've heard before, and it totally moves. Uh, right. I was like instantly in. I had a cassette <laughs> that I would put in my Walkman, and I would walk to work and back every day and that's one of the ones that we had to do that the Ramones first record uh, Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth hmm. okay. and, so so heavy uh, mostly punk stuff uh, yeah. kind of like heavy chord heavy uh, punk the Sonic Youth is a little bit of a, of a different from, from those other bands you mentioned but yeah okay and that, that so that's all that era like what year was this that, that was happening uh, that would have been like 90, 96, 97, probably. 96. So I was okay. just moved out on my own, just was on Oakland. Like, didn't have a car, was literally walking to my minimum wage record store job, you know, like two miles or something. Like, uh, you know, what, which seems like nothing when you're young. Great, let's go, let's walk. Whereas now it's like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. oh, this is my opportunity to not be in my studio apartment with like, you know, my best friend and like another guy and like I can have time alone and listen to this like really thrilling music that you know right. transport me while I'm walking to go sell Darth Brooks CDs to people whatever the hell it was that, that was going on at the time <laughs> right yeah Garth Brooks is a big big sell uh in Oakland huh <laughs> yeah I mean like I, I don't know if that's what it was I'd have to look to see like what was the famous I could probably tell you what it actually was oh no that's fine it's all but, right but, but it was always like it was never anything um, never anything I liked. I know that. I was, oh, and really? that's why when somebody came up to like, oh, this is great. Like someone came up with like, oh my god, I must have lost my mind. Someone came up with a shellac CD once. I was like, oh yeah, this this rules. You're gonna love this. It's great. Yeah, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, and man. The next, and the next thing you know, someone comes up with a Macarena, and you're like, oh, god, okay, fine. Again, it it was formative for me as a musician and as a music fan, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't work at the cool one. Okay. Like at all. Like like arguably if you if your sensibilities lended towards that kind of music, then I guess I was the cool guy at the uncool record store, but no one including myself would have characterized it as that. Right. I just, right. Had, I just had like interests that were a little crazier and weirder than uh most most yeah, well, the staff fine. usually had pretty good taste. It's just that what people were coming for was top forty. They were coming for right. whatever's popular. They wanted like your Mariah Carey or uh, sure, Honest yeah. Morissette, Gin Blossoms, like that's what they were looking for. They weren't look, they weren't looking for uh, 
oh, have you heard of Funhouse by the Stooges? No, they would go to Amoeba for that. Right, right. <laughs> you know, they're not going to come to Tower Records. You kidding me? Right. I hear you, man. <laughs> hey, well, look, you served your time. It, it obviously was informative. <laughs> and, and, you know, as a musician, it seems like everyone's like it's everyone's obligation to work at a record store for some period of time. So <laughs> you, you it's the it. law. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Whereas and it's funny because like right now it's like I'd be like, oh, man, I'd be great at that now. Like if I just had like but but it would be like a super boutique kind of like you probably wouldn't sell you sell like one record a week or something, but you get to sit around BS about records. I'm like, great. That's not even work. I do that. That's what free. I'm doing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you're doing Fuck, this show. Man. Yeah, exactly. You just, yeah. You just nailed me. All right. <laughs> you can just have like a bin up for like records for sale. And then like every once in a while, one will sell and you can call it a record store. Right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you already I, got I, the logo. You already I got use the that, name. I use that term very, very sparse, very sparingly. So it's like, yeah, I'm a record store. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's it's what is a record store in 2023? Right? It's a Maybe. it's a room that has records in it. OK, that's what the <laughs> fuck a record store is. Stop hassling me. Right. You're having the conversations. You're having the same conversations you would have in one. Right. So, yeah. 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 Well, listen, so we were talking about sorry, uh, the sorry, damned. Sorry. No, 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 it's OK. But I mean, like we were already mentioning Love Song, the first song off of the album. And, what a great uh, first track, by the way. Can I just say that? Like, It is great. Dude. Yeah. Th- so this album, I have not. I never listened. I, I think I tried listening to this album like maybe a year or two ago, uh-huh. like because I was just getting into like I, I've never been a fan of the Damned, but I've heard their music and I've liked what I've heard. And I've heard how some of their records are like absolutely essential, like you need to yeah. get into these. And so I was just like, OK, I'll, I'll listen to Machine Connecticut. I hear people talking about this one a lot. Yeah. And um, and I don't remember it being impressionable like i was just like yeah it's good okay yeah i mean it's definitely got some good songs on it <clears throat> but now that i'm i was actually sitting with it and really listening to it and like really listening to every song i was just like oh wow this yeah this is a fucking pretty solid record it's very dense it's a yeah. it's a denser record than you think it's going to be like <laughs> by right, far. yeah There's and even if you on. only knew damn 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 like you, you like and i think maybe that's maybe that was a turnoff to some people at the time because they'd be like oh what's all this extra but like it, it's almost it's almost ADD in its sensibilities sometimes, but like in a good way, you know, where it's like, oh, they're just, ju- they're just, you can't contain them. They're jumping around so much. They're doing this cool. They're doing mm-hmm. this cool. There's a weird circus song running around in there. I mean, like what is happening in this record? Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah. But it, but it, yeah, I I think that that's, you're dead on. I know, I know people that were like, oh yeah, that's, that one's fine. You know, I, I like the more straight ahead one. I'm like, yeah, but did you really listen to it? Which is the. It's like when people talk about Rush, like, well, you got to admire the musicianship. Look, nobody said I didn't admire the musicianship. I said I didn't care for the record. Like, it's fine. Right. It's fine. It can be a little boring sometimes. Sorry. I, it's, Jesus. <laughs> all the respect in the world. But like, why do I have to proclaim that I respect him as musicians? Sure. Everybody does. Like, right. and some of their songs are good. And I don't really like listening to their records. Sorry. You're, you're clearly not a Rush fan because no, no Rush fan would have ever said that. <laughs> some know, songs I mean, are good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's like, but it's like Steely Dan. You you can't invoke the name without getting involved in in the Holy Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're not doing it. But so <laughs> the damned, as I just kinda... invoke both of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, but we're talking about the damned. We're not talking we about, talking Rush, about the Steely Dan. Dan. Much superior band to Steely Dan and Rush. Thank, thank and, and kind of like same same kind of mythology almost actually because you know they have such a large discography really yeah. and and wow. they're the only punk band that's that's still around really that's been an original punk band. Yep. Um, 
And, and there's definitely, you know, a lot of what we were already talking about, like, you know, a lot of like people that, that, you know, maybe uh, don't appreciate this album. Uh, maybe they, you know, they like a different era of the band, you know, like the goth era, which is what they did immediately afterwards, which right. I don't like as much. Doesn't do it for me. I tried listening yeah. to the black album and like, it's, it's okay. There's definitely some songs right. I really like, you know, it's kind of like yeah. Rush. It's okay. Yeah, it's, I got songs. You got to admire the musicianship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's see. Okay. But so uh, Machine Gun Etiquette, love song. Um, yeah. I, I fucking got stuck right away on this song as far as like talking points, because I was just like, what the fuck do I have to say about this song? I mean, it's a love song. Yeah. Right. It, so, it is the thing that it says. It's like Planet of the Apes. You know what you get into with the title, right? Well, kind of. An, yeah. Yes and no, because so I know that I've heard from a couple of references that this song is about a train station. Yeah, I'll be the I'll be the luggage. You'll be the porter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a, a weird line, kinda, by the way. It's a weird association to like like I don't know. It's like a it's like a loose connection to to admission of love of travel maybe like maybe yeah. connecting the idea of like train station trains and love to like you know love of travel maybe something like that. Yeah, well, because it's sort of like it, it's challenging the idea of what love is, and it, I think that there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of the 60s because remember the punk rock was like pushing back of like the excesses that came from like the 60s and the early 70s where it was like, oh, this is the only kind of song that you can write, which is which is a love song, which is a mm. traditional boy girl falling in love love song. So the idea of like, well, kind of turning on its head and making it, I don't know, make it into something kind of cooler. And that's Dave Vanian in a nutshell, too. Like that. I mean, credit where credit's due. That guy is. Uh, you know, remarkable uh, lyricist, frontman, um, and just coming from that, you know, Nick Cave kind of turning a phrase to be kind of like, oh, that's cool. That's like an interesting way of looking that. I didn't, I didn't think about that, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what this is. I mean, right? There are obviously somewhat like absurdist metaphors in it. Uh, you know, what is that? I'll, I'll be the ink on your season ticket card. It's one of the lines, which is sort of like, yeah, you could take it on the face of it as like, oh, no, this is, um, you know, a love song about, you know, the, the adventure of traveling and doing things. But it's also sort of like you, you could also take it on the face of it of being a romantic love situation, I suppose. Yeah, um, I mean, but but to speak to what you were saying, I think you're right where, yeah, I forgot about the idea that they're pushing it back against like hippie culture and shit like right. that, where where, you know, a love song is just you're, you know, confessing love for for a person. Right. Yeah. And so this is where it's turning it on its head, speaking about kind of an inanimate object thing and having a love <laughs> for that. Right. Which is just as uh, just as valid. It just wasn't a rich, a rich subject for a song material. At the time. Right. But it was still hooky. And it's still yeah. like a, a very good like pop song, essentially. Yep. For for punk in the seventies, you know. But so uh, you know, with all of this stuff being said, I mean, if, if you if you had to write a love song, what would you what would it be about? Oh man. So that's so you hit on something really funny because uh, I I pretty much don't write, write love, love songs? songs. Yeah. Of course I, not. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I mean, why don't people that do and they're very good at it? And that's awesome. But it's also I, I tend to like write about like weird <laughs> like esoteric concepts uh and right and then i'll throw something like relatable in there but it's almost like you know uh, it's, it's just a lifeline 
from the space station or something. So if I were to be tasked with, like, I'm big with like, here's the, here's the mission I've given myself is to, you know, write, write to this title, uh, like in dangerous nomenclature or, or write to the song. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the interest in the love song as a creative trapping it's like sports and being into food, which is to say the people that are into those things, if you say that you are not, they're not only immediately angry at you, they don't understand how you could not be into those things. Right. And it's like, oh, easily. It's easy for me not to be into those things. Yeah, I, just, I have, I have something else. I have something else I like. That's incorrect. That's an incorrect opinion, and you are incorrect for having it. And- I kind of feel the same way about like love songs where it's like people that are like, you know, like whatever collectors of love, like they, they, the idea of like, look, dude, I got a song called paved age. It's about the founding of the interstate highway system. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's where my, that's where, where our sensibility is. And I get it. If someone just wants to hear about like a, a sweet song about how like, uh, you know, the girl's really pretty and uh, he likes her and stuff. That like maybe that's it's like trying to talk non-Euclidean geometry to to, to someone, but I, but it I also know that that's a niche thing, right? And then mm-hmm. like if if you're want to talk about like general themes, like just like the love song is like that's the the gold standard of general themes, and it's also like people that are into that will almost get mad at you for just suggesting that you aren't. What do you mean? Do you hate love? Yes, I hate love. You idiot! <laughs> Freaking kidding me! Right. Okay. Hey, thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. But anyway, uh, I, 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 this is a clever way of doing it, right? Because it's sort of like, yeah. and also think about again uh, at the time. You know, bands like The Clash were brand new. Like the Sex Pistols were still like hot off the presses. Like this is this is a crazy time uh, to like the idea of of doing a love song, just a song called Love Song. In the punk scene, in the in the, the punk scene in the UK, in the UK, in 1979, it's not where the the the, the zeitgeist of sensibilities for like the punk rock world was at at the time. Right. All right. Look, let's keep on moving because uh, that's the first know, song. Yeah, that's one song. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot more songs, and I have questions sure for are. just about all of them. Let's move on to uh, Machine Gun Etiquette. Yes. So, uh, title track uh, features much harder and chaotic instrumentation akin to Lemmy Kilmister's uh, Motorhead, yeah. as well as an apop- apocalypse, uh, uh, apocalypse-style riff, which falls yeah, in and out it's of a the ripper, spotlight. Man. It's a yeah. yeah. It's another way to characterize it. Like it's that for to me, that's them being like showing everybody what time it is. Right. So, oddly enough, this song actually features Joe Strummer and Paul Simonon on the clapping duties, due to the nature that's of right. both. Both bands being um, recording their third albums at Wessex Sound Studios. So yeah, this this album actually kind of features uh, them and and a couple other people, I guess, at different times. You're clearly no stranger to de- to guests coming aboard. Uh, the credits to your catalog <laughs> read like a like a who's who of the music scene. So uh, can you tell me about any guests you have on your portion of the adult prom split? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the big one is that we did a. Kate from Lung and I did a duet on uh, Fridging, which was very exciting because 
we wrote that song together and we were both a little apprehensive. Like, oh, I don't know, writing someone else is kind of weird. Uh, it might be kind of awkward. Mm. And we like, knocked it out in like under 40 minutes. <laughs> Basically. Wow. But that that was exciting to me because that that song is about the concept of uh, fridging, which is like originally from comic books. Uh, everybody knows this concept, though, which is that um, in, in there's a Green Lantern com, comic book. He comes back, he finds his girlfriend dead and stuffed in a fridge and like he goes to get revenge. So mm-hmm. it's basically the depowering murder, rape, what have you, of a female character to exclusively to advance the plot and narrative function of the male character. Hmm. And we've seen it tons in movies and TV shows and other media over the years. And it's incredibly lazy storytelling. And of course, me and my twisted mind is like, oh, let's do a song about that and let's make it a duet. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it's sort of like everybody knows this we all know what this is but the idea of like well if you're doing duet then like what hasn't been done before like, well that's no one's doing that and, and that was uh super cool because kate's obviously just a amazing vocalist she's she's really really great and uh it was cool that that song came out the way that it did um, just because it's like, well, that's the subject matter. And, and then so Tony, Dale, and I are on one of their songs uh, on the other side as well. So we we cover a song by the other band. We cover a long song. They cover a Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends song. And yeah. then we have like a guest appearance on either side. It, it has actually been very freeing in that way to you know, make songs that are like, this is a cool little song. We will probably never play it live. Or if we do, like, it will be significantly changed. And Hmm. that definitely makes it stakes wise easier to bring in collaborators and just have them like, we want you to do the thing you do. We like the thing that you do and we want you to do it. Right. (laughs) And don't worry about if it fits or not. That's our problem. But like you're already here. So we know it will fit in the way that we want it to. And it's, it's always, I can't think of a situation where it hasn't worked out yet. It isn't to say that we exclusively rely on collaborations. Like it's not like that, that kind of thing but it's important and i and i like having i like having people involved in like weird ways you know i buzz did backup vocals on uh art of murder on two songs mm-hmm. and you know it was just cool and if you know you know and you're like oh yeah i guess that is him like if you if you if you listen <laughs> but if you don't know you're just like oh, it's somebody doing you know saying the word avid or chair or whatever okay right. you know yeah well uh, let's move on to the next song i just can't be happy today yes all right, so uh, can't, I can't. That's a bold, can't be bold move in a freaking '79. You know. Yeah, well, it's also kind of like the the uh, maybe starting to premiere, starting to to kind of like bring attention to the whole goth thing, right? Because right. I mean, not only is Dave Anian like totally, uh, I wouldn't say he's ripping up, but I mean, he's kind of got this uh, kind of Joy Division esque kind of delivery, yes. right? You know, and then like the whole like sad boy idea of like this song, I just can't be happy today. I mean, it's yeah. just like. It's it's totally goth. I mean, it's a very goth. Oh song. yeah, like it's like cure before the cure, right? Yeah, <laughs> before great. the cure is doing it. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, it's it, but it's a it's a great it's a great tune, and it 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 builds and it and it um the way it resolves is sort of like maybe not the way that you would expect it to. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's a um it, it's it's like sad boy stuff, sure, but then. 
<laughs> gets into that, the, you know, like the church is in ruins, the priests hang on hooks, and it's like, oh, what's yeah. happening right now? <laughs> like, what's very, what's, what's, very like, dark. Yeah. Where, where are we going? The army's in power, the devil commands. Uh, right. But and the, that part, that part was cut uh, for some radio uh, releases of this song back then. Which is crazy because it's like, no, that's that like makes the song because it's a study in contrast. Right. And it's, it's sort of like, well, there's this, yeah, it's there's this personal sadness, but it's also right. Like, like here's all this. <laughs> Here's all the stuff that we're like sad about. They're you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so so funny that they cut that because the you know supposedly censors thought that it was like you know referencing to to devil worship. Right, it's right, exactly. so stupid. Yeah, it's yeah ridiculous. I, mean, I, I hate to inform you about the Middle Ages, but uh... <laughs> right, but actually, but so and and it doesn't seem that far off. I mean, like you know the the part that you're mentioning that kind of like spokenish word part. Um, it also seems like a like a post apocalyptic vision. Uh, yeah. of our not too distant future actually like our not too distant fascist future we're living in in america today yep yeah so it's a little, little scary <laughs> Hard relatable yeah <laughs> well and then there's that crazy you know it builds and builds and there's the the uh, the organ you know it does that right. like it's this big like you know cinematic like resolve to it that mm -hmm. uh Builds up and then it goes back down into the legal to dance, forbidden to cry. You know, and it's sort of like it's just Elvis enough. <laughs> <laughs> like it works. It works because of the bombast that comes before it. But the idea of like taking that part out, it's like, why would you? Yeah, but again, different times. Those are different times, man. Yeah, right. But uh, but seemingly, you know, prophetic a little bit to to a degree. Oh, unfortunately, so yes. I mean, hard again, hard relatable in a way. It's like. Right. <laughs> this was this was just an abstract concept you were worried about then. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, look, uh, I don't really have one, something for you for Ooh. that. Um, so let's move on to Melody Lee. So sure. th this one's a hard one. Uh, I have a kind of a longer thing here about this because uh, I think that this song was kind of in question as far as like, you know, what, the, what does this mean exactly? So yeah. from uh, from Bunty number 1030, October 1977. There was a featured called Melody Lee, A Dancer She'll Be, about an orphan girl who tries to make it as a dancer. And this is a comic strip, though, like a, a Bunty comic back in the 70s. Oh, okay. So uh, the lead guitarist on the song, Captain Sunspool, claimed in the 25th anniversary of uh, this album that, quote, I'm surprised they got away with that one. I took the lyrics straight from Bunty comic. Uh, Melody Lee was a... <laughs> Melody really? Lee okay. was a yeah, Melody Lee was a character. It was uh, Melody Lee, a dancer she shall be. She's being trained by a failed ballerina who is scarred in an accident. All the lyrics came straight from the speech bubble in the cartoon strip, quote, unquote. <laughs> that rocks. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. Though. I, uh, this one has always seemed very mysterious to me. Yeah, and it's a great song. I freaking really love this one, actually. Oh, yeah, um, it's a ripper. Yeah. So, but there, So there's a lyric in the song that goes, Melody Lee, you got to find your secret enemy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, where does the concept of secret friends come from? Secret friends versus secret enemies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked because, I mean, there is more to it than than the fact that I have a tendency to, to move in secret with, with our operations, which is the fact that a secret friend is actually a concept from a comic book, uh, which is uh, the max, if I remember correctly. And oh, it okay. was... The idea, the idea is that uh, in high school, especially the popular kids, you know, that they, they won't associate with like the artsy, freaky kids publicly because it would lower their social capital 
Mm. Uh, but but they know that there's something special with those kids, and so they will be friends with them, but only in secret, only when it's not, like not on main with everyone like watching, and that that's just such a harrowing, but very real concept because especially because the popular kids usually will not end up doing anything of note, like maybe they work at their dad's car dealership or something, right? Like they're right. like they're yeah. they're. Uh, they, they, I mean, well, and it's all in perspective, right? Okay, what what does success mean? Maybe for them, they like it. So I'm not going to like try to like cache it or anything. Right. But then like the artsy kid goes on to, you know, like whatever, like, you know, be like a famous director or, you know, an artist uh, or musician. And it's just such a heavy concept. It's just packed into, oh, no, we can be friends. We have to be secret friends. And was like, oh, <laughs> Because it's like, because it's, it's like you almost like wince hearing that, and, mm-hmm. and I love that idea because this the idea of uh, perceived or actual social capital has become even more apparent in oh yeah modern society, and and it's 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 so because it's like the concept of money or something. What does that mean? Well, it's a currency, only, yeah, like a legitimate a like social currency, right? It's so crazy. They're ready to be on your side when you're winning. And when mm-hmm. you're famous, but until then, they're like wishing you the best from afar, right? And and, and it's like, okay, well, thanks. It'd <laughs> 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 be, be a whole lot better if you actually helped out now. But <laughs> yeah, well, you know that shows that shows the true the the true nature of people. You know, I mean, because like if yeah. if some some shallow person is just like you're a really like in high school of all of all yeah. times the most which awkward. is the worst. That's like the ground zero of this, right? But it's, yeah. it obviously holds true in all life. Yeah, it's just so it's it's like if if you at that time in your life this this kind of like formative period of your your adolescence where you're like you know really discovering yourself and you're like as adults it's just like you go on to have this like great career or whatever like you know let's just let's just call you famous and now this person's coming out of the woodworks being like remember oh, when we were friends we were friends buddy. remember <laughs> exactly oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and that's you know it's what we've chosen to elevate and how we've chosen to elevate it has made everybody fame obsessed i mean kids want to be influencers now right you know it's yeah. like, oh that's so <laughs> good luck kids so, that's, that's such a that's such a drag to me i'm like oh that sounds horrible and, yeah. and you know every band has to be an influencer now to a certain degree and like you know i've had a hard time navigating that myself where i'm like i don't want to like i don't like showing that part of the process i'm not interested in showing that part screw that i make these records you know we make these records so like they can be listened to I don't mind like taking a picture in the studio or whatever, but I don't want to show every part of the process. No, like that's Mm. like that, that would have to be like baked into the conceit of a thing. Like that's like the conceit of the record or whatever. And I realized that that I'm as in many ways out of the touch with the zeitgeist that way that I'm just not interested in that. But it's also like, I've, I've I've softened up a little bit like, Oh yeah, cool. You know, here's some, you know, stuff that's the venue that we're playing. And here's like, you know, like a little snippet of video, which people, Everybody expects video now. They're like, oh, I'm not there. I hope ever someone's taking video. I mean, I, oh, that irritates me so much because it's like, I get it. And I get the, I can't be there and I would like to see it. But why is there an expectation that somebody has to do that work for you? And why is there an expectation that literally any show a band plays has to be meticulously documented by people's cell phones? I don't like that personally. Yeah. And it's, no, I don't either. And it's, I try. <laughs> Try not to opine about it too much because it's like a crankcase about it. But you know, it's just 
and, and, and people will take that to the extreme of meaning like never take video at one of our shows or something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like right. the phone up the entire set, you know, live streaming it. And it's, the audio sounds like it's from the center of Satan's butthole. Like just, I'm not, it's not right. how I want to be represented. And no, wow. I, I don't think it's a fair representation representation to anybody. And and if anyone yeah. if, is, I don't know if how people think about that, but I mean, if that's, if that's like your idea of like, getting entertainment then you guys are fucking miserable we're doomed <laughs> like you need to get out there and go see it yourself i mean yeah see like, a show jesus yeah i mean it's just because there's nothing like it i mean you, you don't you don't feel it i mean the, the cell phone video fucking of a concert is the worst i hate yeah. them <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad i'm talking to a kindred spirit secret enemies would be a great ep for Conan and Trina's Secret Friends, by the way. There you go. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about enemy. that lyric, yeah, <laughs> Secret Enemies EP. That's that's great. I can write an EP about that. Hell yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I expect to see it soon. <laughs> I'll be inspect on my desk on Monday morning. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, I'm glad. Melanie Lee's it. a ripper. Melanie Lee is a great song. Oh, it's and... just, it's it's so getting stuck in my mind. That song really. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's an earworm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but the next song is Anti Pope. Yes. Yes. Um, the Damned were never a particularly political band compared to other punk bands. However, you could definitely make a claim that Anti-Pope is a great analysis of religion and those sucked in by it. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, so first of all, and this is right down the Secret Friends model of, of writing, you know, and Anti-Pope is, is actually a real thing. So it's basically someone that... <laughs> It claims to be the Pope that's in opposition to like the legitimately elected Pope, which I think I think oh, really? kind of kind of rules. Yeah, like I could declare myself anti-Pope. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and like, you know, probably probably wouldn't go over that well, especially based on the fact that I am you know not Catholic mm-hmm. or religious in any way. But like, there's a. Uh, a, a big history with that. Uh, like there, there's a whole um, long history of, uh, of people that basically didn't like what the current Pope was doing and decided that they were going to be, the, were going to be the Pope instead. <laughs> and so like, I, and you know, like I'm not like a scholar on these things kind of things. If any, I'm like, if anything, I'm a historical dilettante of just like, I enjoy like kind of weird back alley, it's historical aspects of, of um, things like that. But right. uh, I love the line that I've got nothing against church, but only people who go there and show they're plain ignorant and don't understand. Like, right. That's like a summation for me of religion. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not against it. I just don't like being the, the oppression that <laughs> that comes from it, you know, and it's just like so courteous too. Because it's just like nothing, nothing against you, man. I think that's it. <laughs> nothing against you, but it does show you're a little ignorant. Yeah, some it, it's just like uh, yeah, it's just like tool. Some of your followers are pretty much total jerks, right? <laughs> <clears throat> nothing against tool. tool. Tool's fine. Nothing against you, but uh, right, you got some pretty ignorant uh, followers. followers yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, hey, I mean, I think, I think, uh, unfortunately, everyone's got their 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 batch. You know, it's a it's a sheer sheer ratio of numbers. You know, I mean, you can't help it. You know, you got yeah, yeah an audience that's like hundred thousand people. I mean, there's bound to be a few assholes in there. You know, oh, absolutely, yeah, and yeah, and and there's a lot of uh, um, you know bratty transgressiveness uh, that that are in, in the lyrics of this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
congregation weekends won't change their behavior. Like, you know, like it's like, oh, it's like, that's, that's really good. <laughs> that's sort of like, yeah. like, it's understandable that Vanian kind of was like, hey, let's, you know, slow it down and kind of maybe we can lean a little bit into this. Cause, cause they are really like, you know, there's a lot of bombast to it, but they're, they're the lines carry over, man. Like it's, it's, right. it's like there's, there's, if you're like, oh yeah. Right. And, and it's such a, it's just such a, a, a interesting and catchy and smart way to, to kind of like point out what they're trying to, the point they're trying to make, you know, like being, being kind of anti-church, anti-pope being like against uh, the, the Christian religion in general, or, or just yeah. structured religion in general, whichever one it is, doesn't even have to be, uh, you know, Catholic or, or Christianity, Christianity or anything. Um, and like that, that to seek answers from the peddlers of hope. It's like, Oh man, that's a good line. <laughs> that's yeah. so good. And then there's that, re that rejoinder like that. The way just, and I should know, I had to go there myself, which was just sort of like, I I like the um like mountain goats are so good at that. Just like there's like like a like a sort of like a a, a line of something like really mundane next to something like really like you know uh, profound, profound. Yeah, and yeah. the contrast between those things is like that's one of my favorites. And so this is this is a great example. It's all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. there's, and there's. Again, the fact that there is actually such a thing as an anti-pope is like blew my mind when I found that out. Because I was like, oh, I wonder, if, you know, like where'd they get that from? And I was like, oh, it's a real thing. <laughs> like I thought they were just like, oh, we're anti the pope, which is sort of like what you would expect from a punk rock band in, in like the late seventies. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, yeah. That's so that's weird too. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, let's move on. There's a couple of songs that I'm going to skip uh, over okay. this next half. But uh, there's some that I really want to touch on. So sure. these hands is the next song. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, these hands. The, a relentless tale based around a clown with killer tendencies who's sick of having to act happy despite suffering on the inside. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of a little like radio play on straight. I mean, like it's it's a uh... stop laughing. <laughs> yeah, no, I love how it ends like that. It's so abrupt and, and shocking. And it's just like, but then when you think about the context of the song being like this, the song literally is written as like, from the perspective of a, of a clown who's angry that people are laughing at him. Yeah. Exactly. And he wants to seek revenge on them. And he wants to fucking kill him. Years before <laughs> Joe Pesci was pissed off about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, what, what is there to say? Like, when you first hear this, you're like, is this circus music? What's happening right now? Like, but yeah, like, it's oh, demented. No, and then you're like, it's about a demented clown. Okay. Right. But it sounds yeah. demented. I mean, like, just yeah. like that whole kind of kind of uh, circus wheel type thing going around, you know, it's just, it's, it has that vibe to it. And then clowns are fucking creepy as fuck, no matter who you are. I mean, I don't care if you're, you're, yeah. you're got a phobia or not. Clowns are creepy. <laughs> yes. Agreed. All right. Well, let me see. Now, tell me if I'm wrong here. Okay. But okay. based on what I know, seen and heard from you, uh, you seem like a fairly happy guy. Ah. Okay. And I think I think we all have a tendency to be to to get <laughs> depressed, or even mad, or or even angry at things. Uh, maybe homicidal at times. Maybe. Sure. Um, can you tell me about what is something that really bothers you? Oh boy! All right, that's a different that's a that's a different therapy session. No, uh, a lot. Uh, to be to be frank, uh, I think we are locked into this weird kind of death loop in a society where we're all being every voice is at the same level. And so, and we're connected with everyone all the time, always. And I don't think the human mind is designed for that. In fact, I know it's not. And I think we're, 
celebrating the individual without supporting the needs of the individual in, in every aspect. And hmm. and again, I, I come off as you know, you know, hopefully rather jovial and uh, uh, agreeable. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I, I certainly do my best to to be entertaining and to be engaging and whatnot. But I mean, wrote a whole record about depression and mental health and like imposter complex and and all of that. And you know, it was it was it was surprisingly hard and surprisingly easy in in that same way. And that was, you know, we did that record in twenty nineteen, uh, and, and it's it's only gotten worse. And I think that that's something now that's it's part of everyday everyday life. So that's. Entire society internalizing that and internalizing like all these thoughts and feelings that have no recourse and no uh, curative action other than shopping or some product that someone's attempting to show you that that's <laughs> Philip hmm. K. Dick would have a hard time with that one. You know what I mean? It's it's like, yeah, wow, yeah. that's our reality here. That's <laughs> harsh, man. Like we 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 must like it because we keep doing it. Uh, I I have a lot of personal animosity and grievances towards a lot of different things. Um, there's plenty of songs that we've written that are, that, that feature that uh, it usually has to do with people generally being uh, selfish and thoughtless and causing harm to others uh, with those actions. That's a, uh, it's serious business. I mean, they're the cry bullies on the, on this last one. Right. And that, that's sort of like the, the nadir of our of this modern culture we have of that like someone that are themselves causing harm uh through rhetoric or using their platform or whatnot uh, making themselves out to be the victim right mm-hmm. they're being a, they're being a cry bully about it and yeah. that is that is somehow a thing <laughs> that's like somehow a thing that we're like okay with and it's like are we not going to mention the fact that, like like you're outraged at the outrage. I don't care. You're like you're you're using this platform to like actively like hurt people. Like what's what's wrong with you? And right, it and seems people like it. it. Yeah, it and this is not the right people. <laughs> right, right. And I, I guess maybe that's what it is. People like to be outraged, right? Because like yes. because it, just mentioning that this like this cry bullies uh, thing, this phenomenon, if you want to call it, maybe that like uh, that uh, that people are even like have the time to be incensed about something and that they need the they need to like spout off about it to other people to get their reactions from it and to that to get this outrage reaction at that it seems to get that dopamine hit right to get that kind right. of like oh i like so there's something to be said for a certain um certain type of person that they they've they've actually lost all hope or the idea that anything could get any better so all they have left is agitating their enemies or their perceived enemies, I should say. Right. Which is this is this is like you know the classic example is like triggering the libs, right? But like mm-hmm. there's, I mean, like there's plenty of people on the left that do it as well. But and, and it comes from a place of just hollowness and emptiness and like empty rage at their inability to have any curative action. I mean, the absence of justice, people will settle for catharsis every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all this is. That's all we. That's all we. That's how we get now. Yeah. The catharsis of like you know the da- the daily enemy, <laughs> the the daily target, the daily um, sure, the, the, you know whatever two minutes hate like what whatever whatever you, what allegory you want to use for it and it's it's horrific and it's horrible and again we must like it we don't do anything about it culturally and I'm not talking about you or me or anyone listening to this show but like it, it's going to take yeah. some kind of collective action to 
stop doing that. And well, ideally, it, these these social media sites should stop rewarding it as well. Well, I mean, if, if they I mean, it's they kind of monetize it in a sense. Right. I mean, yeah. like that's the thing is like if you have a platform and, and it has uh, a number of followers in there and then you know, bunch of uh, views and attention that it gathers, wh- whichever way it, it comes. I mean, there's value behind that in a, in a, in a kind of corporate sense. So um, that's why actually the, the best reaction to that, I feel like I, I tell this to my wife all the time, because I know that she watches like YouTube shorts and shit like that. I'm just like, why do you fucking watch that stuff? It's such garbage. Yeah. Like Minus just, yeah. <laughs> just don't, don't pay attention. Like don't give any, any, like the views and the likes on stuff like that is exactly what they want. So if you just don't pay attention to it, then it it kind of has to die where where it stands. Yeah, and it's it sucks that like we're in this situation where everyone is the product all at all times and everything you do is bought and sold and aggregated as data. But mm-hmm. like just don't engage with it, man. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm for cancel culture and I'm and I'm not. And in fact, even the term itself is fraught because it should be consequence culture is what it should be. And it's No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a really great kind of topic of conversation. Um I just don't think we can des- designate another hour to it. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a different show, basically. Yeah. 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 But but it does, I mean, it's hard for people that that the reason why we've made no cultural movement forward on this is because people don't talk about it. Too. Mm, and they don't true. talk about it in the ways of like, okay, so shame well, you, you, you know they're it, just going to argue with us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just be like these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> there needs to be, there needs to be another tool in the toolbox beyond shame. Is probably the most re- reductive way that I can put it. And and right now we don't have that. It's it's just like public shaming, hmm. you know. Right. And that's it. And question mark. And move on to the next target. Okay. Well, that's that clearly doesn't work. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. a few cases where it did and for the most part it doesn't and that has turned into that person is saying something I don't like and I don't want to see anymore. And that's where these idiots uh, that constantly cancel culture is out of control. Cancel culture out of control. It's, it's like, oh my God, shut up. Shut up. Just be like, for comedians, it's like, maybe you're just not funny. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> most people aren't. Maybe people are trying to be funny, you know, but yeah. I'm like, maybe your artist isn't that good. Most isn't. Hmm. You know, yeah. like, I, I you know, I, 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 it's not for me to say, and it's not for me to like dish that out. Although, I'd gladly take that job if it's offered. But I think that we need culturally to find new ways as curative measures to deal with this. And maybe, just maybe, wild idea here: something that could be actual justice instead of catharsis. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the big one right there. But uh, well, let's see. Let's see how that happens. Let's see yeah, how let's that see. plays out. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to take any bets on that, yeah. Let's. let's... <laughs> well, I mean. Uh... Next song is Noise, Noise, Noise. That's kind of what this sounds like. Noise, Noise, Noise. <laughs> um, it's for heroes, yes. Yeah, I mean, so so I have this thing, this long thing about describing the song. Uh, we know the song. And, and you know, it's, it's very much a, a, a very punk song. But uh, one thing I just want to bring out to you is that uh, the song starts with the lyrics at 7 a.m. on a brand new day. I'm going to start it in the perfect way. Put the greatest record on. Yeah. <laughs> is this how you start your days? Oh man, I should. I should. <laughs> I told, that sounds like a great way to start the day. It's like yeah, start the day with crippling anxiety about what I have to do. No, put a, put the greatest record on. That sounds awesome. That's, that's yeah, 
<laughs> be Great the change you want to see, right? Kickstart <laughs> your day, you know. I mean, just fucking like really put something on that that. Well, okay. Let, let, let me answer, let me ask it this way. So, if you could, or if you would, what would be the first thing you put on in the morning? Ooh, yeah, because you're kind of like defining. You're setting the mood for the day. Yeah, the mood for the day, huh? Um, man. So it it's should be sunny something... out. It's nice out, like nice weather. Like it's a nice, good fall day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got some shit to do. You got some errands to run. Right. You got. You want to get kind of pumped up a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like Stooges, maybe. That's a you know, do some mm-hmm. d- down on the street. Oh, uh, you know, that's that's a good that's a good starting it up. Like I feel like it'd be a different answer every day, but it's sort of like well, you're kind of defining how it, this is. Be, you'd be an interesting social experiment, right? Mm. To like, okay, this you're starting with Brainiac today, or you're starting with like Apex Twin or Wire, or, you know, and then like what? How does that? Does, does it that color day, your day? Yeah, how like, does that I mean, day transpire with that? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a cool yeah. idea because like, I, I absolutely hate waking up to alarms, <laughs> mm. and and. I say that knowing full well that like show me the person that likes it, <laughs> right? Like, you know, I love waking up to alarms, you know, like, but I, I, I totally hate it. But for a time period, I, I actually, I had a thing where you could like set a song. Oh to, yeah. Uh, to, to wake up to, what did I set to? I can't remember what I set it to, but I did wake up to a song, but then I got resentful at that song. Like I would hear that song and it would associate it with having to get up and like, ah. Cause it was the same song with the, for the alarm. Yeah, right, right. So it, can, so it wouldn't change like every day. Right. That would be the move is like you have it. So it's like a different, like you said, like a playlist of like, yeah, get up and get it done playlist. And I haven't tried doing that. But I don't remember what it was, but I was like, I have to change this because I'm getting deeply resentful <laughs> of this song I love because it's right. associated with getting up in the morning, which I despise. Hmm. Like was I'm it, never. Even was when it I Harry sleep... Nelson? Was it Harry Nelson? <laughs> no, that's a good up? one, though. Well, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, I, I, it was too long ago. It was like, it was like ten years ago that I did that. Right. I'm sure the technology is there to do as a playlist, but all right. Well, I'm glad I put that. I, in I your, like that in your, idea in your ear. Yeah, yeah, do it. I, do... <laughs> and I like the idea of like, you know, seeing what works best and like how it sort of like shapes. Because the first thing I do, what I do usually after I like. I'm actually up. I usually throw on a podcast in the morning, like when you wake up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're insane. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, because it's just like for for whatever reason, that's like what I got into. Um, But I like the idea of like putting on like a favorite record or something, and then having it be like almost like you can sort of determine what they are ahead of time and cycle them in and out. I don't know. Maybe it's a good experiment. Maybe I should do it. And maybe you should. Let's try it. I'll do it. Report, I'll report back. Okay. Let me know, man. All right. So uh next song is uh looking at you, but it's a it's a cover of an MC5 song. So oh, oh gonna... la- last thing I forgot to mention, I, I uh I, I love the the noises for heroes. Heroes leave the mm-hmm. music for zeros, zeros. I love that call and response. Oh, like, that's like... the that's the clash too. Yeah. That's I, uh I, Topper Heaton and Joe Strong. Oh, is it really? Okay, oh, that's I love it. Like, and that's I, I think about that song. Uh, a lot, if nothing else, because because of the refrain on that on that chorus, and I think that's a ripper, and that's um great guitar work in there too. By mm-hmm. yeah, right, yeah, great song. 
so the next one I said is a cover MC5 looking at you. So we're going to skip that one because I don't do covers. Right, right. And it's fine. You know, it's it's a revved up version of MC5 song and <clears> MC5, <throat> like all their records sound like garbage. Yeah, right. That's so unfortunate <laughs> with that band. I mean, like so great, great songs, but <laughs> fuck, man. Like they never captured it well, I don't think, except for yeah. obviously the live one. Yeah, yeah. I I 100% agree. All right. Well, so the song after that is Liar. Not the Henry Rollins band song. But... No, but it's close. <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> um, so so I have to ask, are you a liar? I'm no, not. That's that's a fake. That's a kidding. Yeah. Kidding aside. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was gonna say. Well, if I said no, would you believe me? Yeah. No, I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> you are a public figure, so it's hard. It's hard to tell. But um, but no, kidding aside. I mean, uh, because you are the also the host and the voice of a podcast. I mean, do you put weight on your recorded word and how that might land with your audience? Yes, and I'm not sure if I did that as much when it first started. You uh, didn't? Didn't you not know what you were doing? Well, I mean, nobody. Who knows what they were doing? I, I mean, I, I I had a show with my bandmates before Bartonic Commercial uh, that ran like twenty five episodes or something. So I, I knew how to podcast, but it's also the idea of like I didn't have the format even figured out necessarily until like about like twenty episodes in, and then like then I was like, oh, that's it. Appears to be that that is what this is, and right. Cool. That's awesome. I, I, I can do that. But like, I, it's what what I've learned too is that like joking around is hard. Mm-hmm. In in the fact that it's not hard at all, but what's very funny in the moment or extemporaneously can come off as like mean or cruel or wrongheaded or just be not age well too. And like, right. But then also, like, I find the NPR style of interviewing just deadly boring too you know oh yeah yeah or, or i should say not to my personal sensibility see this is a perfect example right i'm editing myself in real time uh and some people only like that model or they think they only like that model because that's all they know because it's informative it's just kind of like you know information kind of yeah. like one after the other like just kind of keep it coming not not like what we do and just kind of go off a on discussion. a subject and just, yeah. And it's kind of steamrolls into whatever it becomes. I mean, some wild left turns. And for me, the wild left turns are like one of the best parts and where you get the real goal, natural, natural conversations. Like what people used to do. Remember? <laughs> exactly. And, and some people like, they only like the, you know, uh, this is my strict question answer format, you know? And it's like, okay. So like, I'm not, saying that that's bad i'm just saying it's a it's a different thing so the the idea of it being more freewheeling not everyone can do it like or mm-hmm. everyone thinks they can do it and some people just don't even think about it at all right yeah and there, there's value to like the the destination not being uh what you what you thought it was too like it being, being yeah. what it is like Okay, I had Mario Rubicaba on, right? Who's who's like an amazing drummer. He's been like a million bands. Started that episode, I was like, I'm going to be the guy that we talk at least a, a little bit about every band this dude's been in, which is like 40 of them. Oh, wow. And I, di- and I did it. Yeah. And it was exhausting. And hopefully people were enjoyed it. And then we spent the last hours BSing about records. And that was way more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put a pressure on yourself, right? So I'm mean, just yeah. to, to kind of like 
you you set you, you must set a guideline for yourself i mean because your conversations are not about a specific topic but you're speaking to somebody who is you know uh influential in, in some yeah. way or another to you specifically i mean you know the person you know what they do or what they have done and and but there is yeah but like you're like like where i have a, a record to talk about you don't have something specific aside from maybe what they're promoting they have a new record out they have a new yeah, whatever may- out and that and that does happen, and sometimes that doesn't happen. And it's uh, and can I tell you that? I mean, you you got a great hook to this show, but mm-hmm. I think you if you start a show now and you're interested in doing it beyond just doing it for yourself and your friends, you have to have some kind of hook. Now. I didn't. I didn't even know what the hell the show was when it started. I was like, I was like, I think I, I thought it was going to be more like a, you know, play music, have interviews, like do, do, do some bits, do some variety. And then I was like, I, I despise doing it in the morning. Like I was like, I'm not a morning person at all. Yeah. And it, it turns out, I was like, Oh no. And like, I realized I was like, Oh, this is the best part of it is this. So I'm just going to do this. And like this, and then, and then I continue to do it for years and years, not really to that much success, frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, out of nowhere, like whatever, six, seven years in, like it just exploded, uh, mostly due to the fact that like there's this deep catalog of episodes that I just continued doing. Right. And uh, if you time that with the fact that I, you know, tour got canceled, I got laid off from my job, couldn't do anything. I was like, well, stare at the wall and wait to die or I can just put it all into the show. And I put it all into the show and, and, and to great success. But I, I, and ultimately probably I got a little bit better just out of like the, like I had, that was the only thing that I could focus on. It was like, mm. that was my life raft in the middle of the ocean. Right. It was protonic. And like, it took me uh, four or five months before I was able to even write a song. I was so angry and anxious and depressed and what have you that like, I was like, Oh, I might just not be able to write music anymore. Wow. Well, I guess mm. it was a good run. <laughs> like, and that was horrifying, but what could I do about it? And then it turns out, I was like, no, when I was able to sort of calm down and, and kind of work, work through a bunch of stuff and things got a little bit better, then it was like, oh, I had like busted loose like the commuter on my lunch break. I like wrote the entire thing, like, like in the space of like 45 minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. All right. That's back. Mm. Good. Right on. I can recognize now that that was like just me in my head about all this other stuff and just not able to concentrate because of it. But when <laughs> I don't want to say there was a good thing about COVID, but like a, a nice thing about the show being there and really ramping it up during peak COVID is that it kind of provided uh solace for people that were, were in a similar situation where they felt lost and angry and, and mm-hmm. worried and, and right. And and then is able to take their mind off for you know an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, and and, and to which my answer is great, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there there had to be something there. I mean, and some people luckily found something. Yeah. Some people did actually have it work to their advantage. I mean, for me, like I I ended up figuring out the Zoom thing. I was just like, oh, I can speak to people all over the all over the world now. I don't have to just rely on my my you know inner circle here in Rhode Island of all places. People just coming in the door. Yeah. And that's uh, the technology that exists now to do shows. It's so much like when I started this dumb show, like I, I, it was all hardware solutions. I was like figuring it was, it was like not even, there was no one to turn to for it. Hmm. You know, like it, it and it's now it's 
it's easy. All these tools are out here. And that's and I think that's great. I'm like, great, more shows the better. Like I've heard shows have come in the, in the past two years. I'm like, this is my new favorite show. I've heard ones I'm like, I never want to hear this again. But that said, same thing with bands, man. You know, like, sure. yeah. like I'm always like some people get real like, well, you know, they I don't want the competition. Man, there ain't no one in competition with me. Like I'm the yeah. only one that can do me. Right. You, I mean, try, you could try to do my show. You could try. And it still wouldn't be the same because it's it's me. And that's right. what I don't understand when people try to rip off Mark Marin. Mark Marin is the Mark Marin of Mark Marin. Right. Don't try to do him. Do your version of that. Like do like whatever it is that makes you you do that. Like with me, you're gonna get a lot of like uh, you know, like, weird harsh invective you're, you're gonna get like you know like like a joking asides things like that and then like some weird like nebulous <laughs> deep magic knowledge about stuff and it's all wrapped up in a bow and that's what it's like to hang out with me too i'm told okay <laughs> and i'm sure for some people that sounds exhausting but also again coming back to like the way the show works is like i my this sounds obvious i never have anyone i'm not interested in mm-hmm well, it seems you fi you've figured that out. It seems like, it, like from what you've told me, from like the, your 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 young adolescence to to now, is that like you've definitely figured out your comfort area. Like, like yeah. this is what works for me, and I'm sticking to this, and that's that. Like, absolutely. Whereas, so for some people, I know for me, a lot of, a lot of my trial and error is I'm still I'm still working through my trial and error, which is okay. I mean, yeah. So from a musical perspective. I started coming to the Secret Friends almost 10 years ago. I was 37. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess this is what I should have been doing the entire time. <laughs> like, I realized I was overthinking so much stuff that didn't matter. Mm. And that, my friend, that's a harsh toke. It's like, okay, so what do I do with this knowledge? Well, I could be prideful about it and like pretend that it didn't happen, or it can be like, cool. Well, I guess I'm just like one of those people that, you know, like uh like Bukowski or something that like really kind of figured it out late in life. Okay. Right. I mean, it doesn't invalidate what I did before. Like everything, I mean, like Replicator certainly still has its its audience, and I stand by everything I did with those guys, but like I kind of became the best version of myself at 37. Okay. <laughs> which is, yeah. which is, hey, at least I figured out before I croaked, you know? Right. No, that's the thing. It's just like, who <laughs> can everyone say that? Can everyone say that they've discovered their comfort level in whatever yeah. it is that they want to do? And then how I, how I figure that out is just being like open and receptive and curious about things there's still the ability for, for people to, to find their own path with it. And I think that I wish that there was more avenues for discovery that, in, that involve that and challenge people to think, uh, be reflective in a way that's, um, you can build upon rather than just be reflective of like, Oh, I don't have what that person has. That means I'm bad. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that mindset, which is usually followed up by, but here's this product that will solve that problem. And it never does. <laughs> No, no uh, I, so I, I wish that there was the avenue for people to be more reflective that way and be inwardly focusing without being cripplingly uh, inwardly focused uh, to 
be the whatever of the whatever that they need to be. Hmm. Yeah, man. Well, I, I can agree with that for sure. Um, we're all on our on our paths. We're all on our journeys. And, you know, some people will find it earlier than others. And I don't know who, who hope luckily everyone will find their path. We were we were talking about liar, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> no, that's okay. Don't worry about it, man. I mean, so so what, what I would what I would call, what I would say to, to bring it all back around like we do in this podcast game. Right. Yeah. Is uh, the you know, the little lies that we tell ourselves. Mm. Are just are just as important as the more explicit line that that are mentioned. This excellent song. This is, this is a, a great tune. And, yeah. And sometimes you have to make the choice to not lie to yourself about what is happening, but that doesn't mean be harsh with yourself either. No. Except for no. when it does. <laughs> no, I mean I think that there's yeah there should be a a, a simple way to to reach a. Not to, not, not to lie to yourself, not to, yeah, like a simple way to kind of like, you know, level with yourself and what you want or what you need or come to that realization of what brings you happiness and joy. Yeah. Because that's what I, it's all about, I guess, right? Word. No, absolutely. I mean, I I legitimately love writing music, recording music, releasing music, playing that music live. I enjoy the process. I know people that like, they like one or two of those things. <laughs> You know, and the, maybe, <laughs> and okay, that's fine. But like, there's not a, there's not a popular form of media to describe what I do. Like, I, I'm a story that doesn't make sense. And the fact that it is not like there's, if, if you see, talk to someone like me mm. who has literally never stopped and like continued to grow and, Basically, through your force of will, kind of carved like a weird little niche. I mean, there there just aren't those stories. Like it's always again, it goes back to the temporarily embarrassed superstars thing, right? Everyone's a temporarily embarrassed. Oh well, we get discovered, and then we like people are so like hanging on to these ideas from like other generations. That's like a boomer idea of of, of creativity, mm-hmm. and it's it's. I, I I hate to be like the needle for people's balloons, but it's pretty much isn't going to happen. And even if you did, everything is so ensanced in these little like subsections of subsections of culture. You're never going to have like the cultural like there's there's never will be another Nirvana. Right. Is is that isn't how culture works anymore, hmm. and that's fine. But you have to understand that, and you have to stop holding on to ideas that are not sustainable in that way. And you have to d- define what success means to you. Like for me, I am absolutely successful because I'm yeah. doing I'm doing the things I want to do. Yeah, it's great. And it's for the, for the people that want to engage with it, people that want to listen, people that want to watch, um, whatever. And if you define your success as an achievable metric while still allowing room for you to to grow and attempt to be better, for me, that's that's a avenue for sustainability. Mm-hmm. Like if I ever got to the point where I'm like, I thought what, what I was writing was like not good, I'd stop. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I, I would just, I would, I'd be, you know, I'd be like a serial killer. I would just stop. I'd like the Jack the River or something. <laughs> but it has never happened. Like, I, I've been to the point where I'm like, oh, there's nothing, nothing in the tank right now. Interesting. And then, like, something comes up and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that. And I get, I get thrilled about it. Like, how I did at 15. Mm-hmm. When, like, Clay shows up at my door with, like, the bass guitar and says, I need to buy a guitar so we can be a band. And I need to be clear. We were terrible. Like, not good. 
Of like course. not good, not good. Because nobody was good when they start. No. You have all these ambitions <laughs> and ideas and you have great taste, but you're bad and you have to be bad and you have to continue to be bad until it becomes okay. And then only be okay and until it gets good. And then if you're lucky enough and, and hardworking enough, then you, you eventually you become great. Hmm. And what that means to you and what those goalposts are don't matter so much as the process. I, I'm into the process. And yeah. that was another thing that I didn't really think about until again, the advanced stage of 37, which I think like, you know, like 1700s, that'd be someone's great grandpa or something. But <laughs> like, you, see, you said that like it was a terminal, like I had late stage 37 going right, around. Exactly. Well, it could be 46 uh, in December. And it's like, you know, like whatever. I'm, I own it. You know, it's, it's, it's what I am. And, and I mm-hmm. put us on same stage as a band full of 20 year olds and you know, whatever, you're not going to see that much difference. Tell yeah. puffing and puffing after the show. But anyway, uh, but it, it, it's like, I only keep bringing it up because it's okay to find things out later in life. And that's something that like, there, there's just not a pass for that culturally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I know people that are, you know, very advanced in their field um, and doing their best work. And it, and it happened like later in life, but they're almost like ashamed of it. I'm like, no, that's awesome. Cause there's all these people that are like, culturally we're, we're told to like, well, if you haven't achieved this dream by X time, then it's over. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. That, that's, it yeah, becomes that's harder pretty... because you got responsibilities, right? You have, you got a household you have to take care of. Maybe you right. like, you know, you're not going on tour nine months out of the year. You're, you're not spending all your money on your startup. Yeah, like whatever. But it's not true. I mean, or it doesn't have to be if you don't want to be. But it, but you have, but you have to commit to it because if you don't commit to it, then you're not you're not doing the world a favor, and you're definitely not doing yourself a favor, and you're definitely not doing the people around you a favor. Hmm. That's why I, that's, that's, I, I think I, I like that. I, I, that's a, a point well made, man. Um, yeah, too bad it took me like 25 minutes to make it. Sorry. That's okay. I, I know how to edit. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a weird episode. Like when no, talking man. about Melody Lee and one man's still pining about uh <laughs> Right. Well, hey, that's that's kind of what I do over here, man. Yeah, um, I know. I've heard the show. It's good. Thanks, man. So uh so last song, uh in closing is Smash It Up. Parts Part one, one and two. two. Correct. Yes. Um so let's see. I this maybe we'll we'll play into where we were uh, with the last song or what uh, what we were kind of talking about but um so i've come across many sources that say uh captain began writing this song in response to mark boland's death and uh and as a like and as somber as the first part is i feel like the second part is equally um a tribute to the late singer in a very damned way yeah um like there's a they sing in in the second part of the song We've been crying now for much too long, and now we're gonna dance to a different song. I'm gonna scream and shout till my dying breath. I'm gonna smash it up till there's nothing left. And yeah. uh, it devolves from there into more of a smashing up of the system and societal norms than just literal destruction. <laughs> just yeah, like exactly. They they give me more figurative destruction rather than literal destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but um, but in closing, um, like. I, I don't. I don't mean to end it on this note. It seems a little somber, but I mean, I, I know if you've experienced some loss uh, about the time you started up the band, and you've already mentioned uh, 
your your friend Clay. What what yeah. was his connection to the beginning of your band? Well, yeah, he started me on the path to music, and he didn't he didn't stick with it. I did, right? And, and like, uh, and then he was a big fan of the Jesus Lizard. So the idea of like, okay, well, David Yao's interpretation of our band photo from high school is like the cover of the first record of this band. I thought that was kind of a neat way to honor him. And then uh, the lyrically, that first record is heavily informed. It's called The Enemy of Everyone. Uh, and it's the one I'm most likely to forget about. <laughs> but like, it's at, at this point, but it's it's still very important to me because it's all very informed by him because he set me on my path. Uh, I definitely have... I think everyone, well, everyone has a lot of heavy loss, but uh, Chris Bullock from the band Replicator, which is the band I basically spent my 20s doing, uh, he passed away two years ago and just like a year older than me. Uh, and, you know, that's heavy. He played drums in Secret Friends for a few tours too. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, we just did a tour of the West Coast and like there was a lot of memories I had of, uh, previous tours with Chris and you know like we stopped by Ocean Beach which was by where where Replicator started up where I brought my little practice amp across BART and bus for a 45 minute one way ride to go play in his bedroom which he assured me <laughs> everyone would be okay with and they weren't <laughs> so he's like playing drums in his, his bedroom and like it's just like silly like young person stuff right mm-hmm. uh, but that led to this band that you know uh, touched a lot of people and we, we played a lot of places and did a lot of things and you know he's a big part of my life and he, he's gone now too Vern from Unwound a uh, friend of mine collaborator in Household Gods three years ago in August uh, LKN also from Household Gods he pa- passed away the record before the record actually came out and that ended up kind of being about her in some ways. Um, so it's just Dave Paho and I that are still alive from <laughs> from that outfit. Mm-hmm. I, but it's also like that's what happens. People people leave. So it's 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 how you. Uh, my mom died too uh, a year and a half ago. Forgot about that also. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it seemed like for a while there's like it wasn't like a three month period without someone close to me passing away but i mean that doesn't make me special or anything it's just it's that's you know it's always heavy and so there's a question of how you how you remember them how you honor them and you try your best to remember the the best of what they are you know not mm-hmm. not remember the arguments or right <laughs> harsh invective unless it's funny which get you know i thought i was we played phoenix on this tour and i uh, one of the guys that was um at the shows was at a show that Replicator played Modified Arts. It's very funny. Chris Bullock and I were, I don't remember, we were so agitated at each other for some reason. And I got right after the show, like he got in my face, I got in his face, you, stop, stop. you know, like just like rock, just going at it. Like Ben was like, yeah, I thought you guys were going to start punching each other. Like just really just going at it, going at it. And then there's just like lull in the conversation. And then I kind of looked to the left and there's like these two guys like, can we buy a CD? <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, yeah, man, let's go do that. 
and and you realize how ridiculous it is like like this this like this how far down this insane rabbit hole that you get of, of being in a band and how everything just seemed like magnified that you get reminded there's a world outside that and i i mean it's it's a lot you know and some days are better than others and and mm-hmm. I don't let define me, but I never forget any of them. And I'd like to think that all of them would be stoked that I'm still Conaning, <laughs> as some of them might characterize it, you know. And and it's at a at a higher and better level than it ever was before. I have my own specific ways that I, I to remember each of those people. And sometimes it's harder than others. I mean, it's it's I love seeing unwound play with Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's like the only person that could that could do this? By the way, it was it was amazing, it was beautiful, it was life affirming. But you know, also, my friend isn't there; he's gone, and right. that's heavy. And that was it was a heavy experience because of that. And but I'm but I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're making those songs love again. An entire new generation of kids gets to see Unwound play. That rocks. That's awesome. That's how you're gonna be mad at that? No, of course. I mean, um. And and they're smashing up um, rules. By the way, this is a gr- freaking. This is such a great tune. Like, what a great way to end a record, you know? Especially a record that has so many crazy moments and and, and like deceptively deep. But the damn like on a different level for for taking taking these elements that like would be considered like prog. Like prog elements. Oh yeah, yeah. But doing them ferociously, like just real, like you know, wow, you never heard it played like that. Okay, okay crazy. And using these big bombastic elements uh, in the songwriting to to elevate things to a different level, it's pretty impressive. Like, and it's, I think that the damned. It's interesting to me that like when the damned are remembered, they're only remembered usually for damn, damn, damned, and like neat, 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 and and like and those first singles are. I mean, they're great, they're awesome, but like, yeah. it's all about this record for me, and that includes the goth period. Peace and love, not really my deal. <laughs> uh, but I, I, this is absolutely um, like an essential record as far as I'm concerned, and, and I, I wish people. I wish more people would check it out that don't come from a punk background because I I think Mm. that there's a lot here for people. They're just interested in kind of cool and weird records, frankly. I mean, like it's, it's yeah, kind of, kind of like this weird flashpoint of of like when it happened. And it's like, it's crazy that this record. happened. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, you got to think about what, who, who was influenced by this album. I mean, right. like if if you think from this point, 1979 on all the bands that came after it that may have or seemingly have drawn something from it, you know, I mean, uh, obviously influencing goth, the whole goth movement in general. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say Robert Smith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of Kira stuff, Depeche Mode. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then like, you know, moving forward with with all all hardcore, hardcore punk and and shit going forward from that point. Sure. Um, then replacements you know uh uh, so much stuff i mean i wouldn't be surprised i I guess i could just ask them bird say devils you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. like there's 
there's a lot here. And I think if there's any sort of thing that sort of like has, has made it the legend not be as big as it could be, it's that it isn't just the one thing. Right. Like everyone lauded London Calling for good reason. Great record. Right. For kind of being like, oh, there's like a, you know, a jazzy little number. There's like a big band kind of thing happening. Like there's like a pseudo Scott song. And, and I like that record a lot, but it's like, okay, but like there was something about like it was okay when that came out and being the clash, whereas like the the were the damn too bratty? I don't know. But like Well, they weren't cool enough, right? That's maybe that's, that's like that's a lot. It. That's a lot yeah. of that talk is that that they weren't this cool band. They weren't a uniformed kind of like punk band. They they like they were too weird. They were too too wacky. I mean, you got the fucking yeah. singer who looks like he's goddamn you know Count Dracula. <laughs> exactly, Dracula. <laughs> you got you got a Vlad Tepish over here on vocals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Captain it- Sensible just. Doing whatever the hell it is he's doing, which is which is to me is great. Like he's one of yeah. like the, like you know like just original creature. <laughs> Absolutely. So it, it's actually that kind of leads to an interesting point. It, it's arguable, but I'd say that the Dam as individuals are best known for their onstage personas uh, or style. Yeah. Uh, what do you attribute some of your style to? Oh, interesting. So that is a very good question because it is something I thought about a lot when starting the band and and basically deciding, okay, I guess there's going to be a live band. I was like, well, what does that look like? Hmm. And so the idea is I wanted, I wanted to change my image to match what I thought of as the music, which is to say, and I have nothing against people doing jeans and t-shirts uh, on, on stage at all. Like I did it made for many years myself, but I wanted to have something that was more like a show. And to use certain trappings of certain things that people thought of as like a big show, but recontextualize with this kind of music. So that's what led to like the big shiny glittery jackets, uh, bolo ties because I hate regular ties, and um, James Brown shoes, and 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 just having this, you know, what some people would consider ridiculous, uh, but for me is just uh, very big presentation and have this kind of music coming out like you know and and be like mm. laying into a song like chesapeake ripper which is just you know pure you know gritty riffs and heaviness but it looking like glenn campbell or something <laughs> you know what i mean or i and and there there is an incongruity to it and and it's also to make it a welcoming atmosphere for for people as well and and i think there's something for me at, at where i'm at that I mean, an entertainer in some aspect, whether it's for, you know, a dozen people or a thousand, like it's, 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 it's putting on a show right. and the act of like, that's like Mr. Rogers, right? <laughs> We'd like put his, so we're doing the show, I'm putting the sweater on, we're doing the whole thing. And that's more or less what I'm doing in, in my own fashion and capacity. I decided somehow uh, that I was going to play exactly like how I always played, which is a very physical and a lot of movement. And I would do that and add layers, which uh, hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hot, as it turns out. Oh, I bet. Uh, so <laughs> then I, I, uh, it was it was a tour with service in the summer of the South that finally led me to get like a power blower fan that just that's focused on me and just blowing air at me constantly, which you know some sometimes looks kind of cool, and that's fine. But that's literally to keep me from getting a heat stroke. That's that's not to look cool. <laughs> 
It's to keep cool, not look cool. It's to keep cool, not look cool. Although it does look cool once in a while. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. so the idea was like, okay, so if I if I am the titular Kona Neutron, I'm Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends, and I'm this this personality that people are investing their time and money into into watching that i'm going to give it a, a show as i always would but i decided the presentation should be my version of of that and that's kind of taking cues from like you know your david bowie's your freddie mercury's sure yeah. prince glenn campbell Absolutely. liberace whatever this and and it's just i'm just doing my thing i'm doing my thing with that that i don't think anyone else does if they do i would love to trade notes yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, there, there's like, especially when you say like all those kind of classic artists that that you think about when you think about kind of like the 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 perception of rock, this persona, these rock personas or whatever. You know, Elton John is like a great example. He's just yeah. like you know, very very showy. I mean, he wears fucking Got costumes, the like sunglasses. The yeah, freaking, yeah. The whole but I mean, thing. like, yeah, <laughs> I think I think for like, I, I I've definitely thought about this in the past where it's just like, especially for a big show, like you're in a big big venue. And like you got this one little person on a, on a stage, yeah. And like you're in the way back, right? Like you, they need to wear that thing. They need to like wear something that's showy and flashy and and whatever. And and they need to make big movements. It's just like it's not yes. like as 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 you know a performer, you know, maybe it's best to just stand right there and focus on your instrument to play your best. But at, but when you're on a stage and you have to perform in front of people, like you have to make these big wild movements. It's like it's like acting on stage, right? It's like um right, like actual theater. It's just like you actually have to and like enunciate and and embellish Project. your movements. Yes. So yes, like yes, it's yes. like I'm right here. I'm here. I'm here. Like you're fucking like you know you got to make all this movement just so that people can see that you're there. They can kind of see what you're doing. So yes. Well, and that you, you hit the nail on the head. You have to expand the show to be the, the like the size of the stage, or even with the size of the stage you want it to feel like. Right. And I've always moved around a lot. Like I've, I certainly have. You know, like I see video of it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm doing a Chuck Berry thing there. Okay, fine. But like, I'm not like thinking like this is where I do the Chuck Berry thing. It's just like what's coming naturally. But there's like kicks right. and freaking flailing yeah, around there's i mean there's, there's a part in one of the songs where i like lift the guitar up and like bang it on my head in rhythm i mean like and like why, how does this stuff develop i don't know i'm not sitting here like writing down i'm gonna do this at this part of the song it's this just, is my choreography yes <laughs> exactly there's no choreographer at all but by the same token you know I, I i've been told that you know it's a great rock show okay good well i want it to be a great rock show because this is this to me this is like a big weird rock band so if you're gonna be a big weird rock band lean into it right absolutely and, and i'm it's not for everyone and like again those people are very happy to tell me about it and i'm like okay well fine <laughs> Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't know what it is about certain dudes that they just have a uh, are disenchanted by Spangles, but everyone else likes it. So I like right. it. So that's all. That's all that matters. That's I mean, exactly. That's all that matters, right there. Yeah. And so now, so you know, to to the people that are interested in seeing the spectacle that is Conan Neutron and the and the Secret Friends. I mean, uh, I know you just came off tour, <laughs> but so what? What? What, what, what do? What do people Tough have titty, to do? Because we just got off tour. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's going to be, uh, there's not, a, I don't think there's going to be much uh, for the rest of the year, but uh, we, we well, have the rest a of the year is very short now. Anyway, there's because... not that much. I mean, like no, sometimes we would no normally do like a bunch of stuff in the, in the fall too, but not, not there's reasons why we're not this year, but there's going to be a bunch of stuff in the spring uh, for next year. 
Lung, who we have the split LP adult prom with, uh, they were they did the whole tour, West Coast tour with us, and we're gonna do some more stuff with them next year. Uh, NeutronFriends.com is the website, and um, all the tour dates are put up there. There's gonna be a makeup show for Oakland with McCluskey in the second attempt at the makeup show for that. Oh yeah, uh, which we did we did uh, some shows with them last year. Uh, nice. and it was great. But the Oakland show, where I'm from, got postponed the first time, and then it got postponed for the rescheduled show as well. And not, not nothing that was like anything you make it anything about it, but we're gonna do that. I think maybe whatever. I'm not I shouldn't say anything on air. I don't there's there's other things as well. Um if you go to neutronfriends.com, we're on there. I, I song kick bands in town, those are mm-hmm. things that are not social media explicitly where you can if you just follow the band on there, you'll get notifications of notifications yeah which which oh, i think good. is great and i wish more bands used um there is another new record that is completely recorded and more or less mixed that's a full uh it's a, another full-length record that is going to be out sometime next year oh wow cool so there's gonna be a bunch of stuff in the spring probably nothing until then but we're never idle for too long yeah Okay, great. Well, it's and good to hear. I, it's great to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been been a blast. Oh, th- thank you for doing it, man. I've, I've been really looking forward to to speaking with you. It's yeah, and great. I think you're going to have, uh, I think you're going to talk to um, Kate, Kate and Daisy, right? Actually, yeah, both of them. That's Kate awesome. They're, they're lovely humans and um, uh, very awesome folks. And I, uh, I may not have the post-term depression, but I'm definitely missing them every day as a band and as humans because they're absolutely wonderful yeah well i mean you're obviously connected to them uh enough and you will be seeing them again shortly it seems so <laughs> that's we got at least one more maybe two legs of this door to do it's gonna be in the spring so it's... yeah that's, that's great how, that's how out. So, and, and you know i and there's nothing wrong with uh, focusing your activities just playing with bands at night yeah. well i mean that again you know you kind of like are, are going back into your comfort levels like you know exactly what you what you want to do and need to do for yourself and it seems to be working out great yeah i mean you know what complaints i have don't really matter so i got no complaints yeah man <laughs> well thanks for and, doing this conan i really appreciate it man and if anyone is for some reason checking this out and doesn't care about machine gun etiquette you should listen to the record it's great oh yeah and that was I was excited that, that was the one that, that, that you picked, too, because like, that's going to be a cool discussion and did not disappoint. And if you're a purist that doesn't care about me or my music, sorry. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine, because that, that's that's the, the beauty about this, too, is that, like, it, we got something else to focus on, too. So don't worry about, you know, if, it, yeah. if one of these things doesn't doesn't suit your uh, your fancy, necessarily. Your, your your eyes can, can, like, roll into the back of your head and you can, like, disassociate for any time I'm talking about myself. That's right. That's it. There you go. You can, you can press mute or something. I don't know what you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever people are up to. There's no wrong way to listen. There you go. Well, thanks, Conan. It's been a great, great day getting to know you, man. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you deeply. Final Vision is a psychic static production. Theme song written and performed by Jeff Robinson, 123 Astronaut.